Hello and welcome under the Kotatsu. I'm your host Austin, joined as always by Danny. Hello. And Danielle. Hey nerds. Uh, and we are back. The summer of Wixos continues. But um, before we talk about children's card games, um, what is everybody drinking? Uh, Danny, let's start with you. Um, I am having a Hawaiian style IPA with notes of pineapple, guava, and citrus. It's very nice. Um, and I was torn between drinking that and uh, Norman Reedus's favorite drink, Monster. Um, so I decided what I'll do is. Uh, not double fist them at the same time, but I'll, once I finish the beer, I'll switch to the monster and then back to the beer. It's like I'm making like my own four loco in my in my body, but uh, we'll see if I have a massive coronary halfway through the episode. Yeah, you'll just get like very sleepy after. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Aren't those like the only two th- branded things you can drink in uh, uh, Death Stranding? Uh... Starring Norman Reedus, uh, monster and beer. Mon- well, so the monster, yes, is is the branded thing. The beer is like a generic or a fake beer. It's like Bridges Brew or something like that, which is the in, in the universe thing. Though interestingly enough, in the director's cut, Monster Energy is completely cut. Like they didn't renew that sponsorship. I guess. Yeah, it's a worse game for it. IMO. Honestly, I okay. I'm not very susceptible to marketing. Oh my god! When I see an ad, <laughs> I get I get repulsed. I'm. I may have gotten some monster while I was playing <laughs> Death Stranding uh, because I was like, man, that does look really refreshing right now. <laughs> you are not immune to propaganda. That's true. <laughs> Hideo! He won. Yeah, <laughs> he won this battle. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I'm also drinking a beer. I'm drinking, let me grab the can, uh, a fruited wheat ale. Uh, with tropical mango, as called the name of the like uh, the name of the beer from the breweries, uh, Lake Life, um, which I was like, oh, that's corny when I when I got it yesterday. Uh, but then I I tasted it for the first time. I was like, oh, you know what? <laughs> this does make me want to be like, damn, I wish I was on a lake right now. So you know, mm. also not immune to propagate. Mine is called Sun Surfer. Um, it's from Platform Beer Company in in Cleveland. Uh, it does make me want to surf on the sun. So yeah, damn. Uh, what about you, Daniel? I am drinking some iced tea I just made earlier. Nice. The the, the least it's hot as shit. Because <laughs> do they have ice in Arizona? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We figured out the secrets of refrigeration. <laughs> Refrigerators. How do they work? I mean, how else do you balance out all that trapped heat from all the fucking asphalt? Mm. That's true. I hate this fucking city. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. Well, we have finished the first season of Selector Wixos, Selector Infected Wixos is the first season. So we're talking about episodes 7 through 12 of that today. Um, I think we've got thoughts, so we'll just go right into things. Episode 7 is called That Girl is Desire. Um, Feeling more and more guilty about Hitoe's situation, Ruko becomes determined to put a stop to the battles and searches for Yuzuki. Her search takes her to the photo studio where she runs into Iona and Ulith, who reveal that Akira had lost her third battle against them, also revealing that they were the ones who dealt Hitoe her third loss. As Ulith suggests that Ruko has actually found her wish, Iona explains that she has a thirst for battle, suggesting Ruko is the same way, and manages to lure her into a battle. Despite being reluctant at first, Ruko finds herself drawn heavily into the battle and the two fight to their heart's content. However, just as Tama and Ruko are about to deal another blow, the match is ended abruptly by one of Yona's managers without a clear winner. Afterwards, as Ryoko regrets enjoying the battle so much, she and Yuzuki are called to an abandoned building by Akira, who reveals a disturbing scar on her face. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah. 
Um, do what we should do like a compliment sandwich on this or something like you know start off with something a little positive at least uh, per, maybe per episode or for, for the whole thing like say one compliment up top and then at the end of this episode <laughs> say another compliment i mean yeah, depending on how many nice things we have to say well Akira's um, in this episode that's a pro that's true she's literally the other half of the sandwich at the very end of this episode because <laughs> jelly is at the end however in the greater context of the next few episodes um her being her being like teased as full-on yeah. joker Many things that happen in these six episodes have big like you're gonna have to wait till season two energy to them, um, which and- which frustrated me because at the end of season or episode twelve, like in the the next uh, in the selector uh, spread Wickross or whatever, um, it shows Akira, but her face is is not fucked up, and it's yeah. like wait, did she like? Are they gonna explain that away? Did they not want to draw a scar on her face anymore? Which putting it out there it's a very mild scar um it, it's not like she's the phantom of the opera or anything like that she just has like a a, a scar in her face um, well it's interesting easily concealable because like it depends on how it's drawn sometimes it's just like oh she's just got like like basically like um like cuts on her face is what it looks like but then sometimes it like the way it like glistens and the way it's shaded makes it look like they're really deep but it's like mm. so they had this idea of like a really fucked up like it like it's just like, you know, a big gnaw in her uh, face, right? But, like, they can't commit to being too graphic about it each shot. So it's, like, wildly different from shot to shot whether it, like, actually looks fucked up or it's just like, eh, that's not that bad. Like, um, Yeah. yeah. Um, I liked that they explored uh, Hitoe a little more in this, but especially because they explored it from the context of Ruko's perspective. So it's kind of like, uh, okay, we're going to stop punching this poor girl we're just going to uh, have show how that's affected our our main character. It's like okay, that's that's I appreciate that more than what they had been doing. You can't see it, but I'm like shrugging, like I'm really trying to be like, well, you know. Um, uh, and then that's the end of my compliments uh, for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, back half of the show, even compared to the first half, which we weren't like super hot on. It's mostly just because like Akira's the spoilers not in many of these episodes. Um, but I also just feel like the plot that happens in these six episodes is maybe like three episodes worth of actual plot. Like it gets real stretched out by the end. Um, so it's hard to have to say too much specific about any of these episodes without it just being about like the bunch as a whole. Um, I do like, I guess, conceptually like Ryuko and uh, Iona just being like, uh, like going at each other. And Iona was just like, yes, fight me. Like she's some like Sith Lord or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I kind of was excited to see them go with the, uh, oh, Ruko's just, like, kind of battle-hungry. Like, that would have been kind of interesting to go in that direction. Um, but spoilers, they don't. <laughs> yeah, and I I would appreciate that if they tied it more into her past, where they're kind of, like, they kind of bring little things here and there, where it's like, oh, uh, are you, se-? like, she's like, uh, someone says something, Yuzuki says something at one point. And she's like, oh, are you saying that I, uh, like, you also don't understand what I'm saying? Kind of, like, hinting towards, like, her parents being that way. Um, so if they, like, tied her, like, battle hunger into how she was as a kid or or something like that. Uh, But yeah, they just kind of drop it. Um, And I thought they were going to drop it or or do something to force her into it. Like, doing something where it's like, oh, if you don't battle with your card for 
three days, uh, your heart explodes, or, or something like that, and they, they didn't, um, which made me really wonder why Midoriko didn't tell Hitoe, like, hey, um, you've, you've gotten your wish, like, you have friends, let's just call it quits here, you're going to lose no matter what, let's not do this and i and i guess they they explained it as like oh you can't tell them because then or whatever but like Midoriko was like well i'm gonna lose anyway like this is not gonna work out well for me um but she just says ah fuck it um and, and just let hitoe not lose her memory kind of lose her memory uh but the maybe but the power of friendship i, I don't know um so yeah uh, very lackluster character development from Ruko. Uh, though I did like how Yoda's literally just like, hit me, come on, Snake, more! Hit me, hit me! Yeah. Finally, I feel something, yes! I like that she is just like, like, un, like, um, unproblematized evil. Like, she's just like, you know, like, yeah, I'm a little fucked up, a little sicko. Um, uh, <laughs> but not like an Akira way. Like, she, she just knows who she is. She doesn't need to, like, overcompensate uh, or anything. Um, which I think I'd appreciate that type of character more if, like you were saying, like, you know, Ruko was a more, like, fleshed out character. Like, the, the characters that get the most work done are Hitoe, who, as we talked about last time, and it's true these time, these episodes, is just used as a punching bag by the show. Um and then Yuzuki and the stuff with her brother, which again we talked about last time, and I think it's still true this time. Like it's just not very compelling to me um, for several reasons. But um, so it just it just like I wish like I had more to chew on with Ruko because then you know just being like yes I'm the bad guy <laughs> I'm here to be evil uh, <laughs> would work a little bit better than I think it does. Mm-hmm. I I liked how uh, Yona um, kind of tricks ruko into fighting her like she says like oh like don't you want to fight me and, and ruko says like i do and is about to say like but you know i can't or whatever but as soon as she says i do like yoda does like the classic like disney villain thing of like oh i heard i heard i do that means you sign the contract <laughs> open we're fighting now it's very funny like yeah you got me <laughs> it's still not clear to me how like how consent is given to these battles you know or is it just like is it really just a thing like you could just say like oh whatever we're doing it anyway like (laughs) we're both standing in the same room i don't need you to give like your yes i will fight you um kind of thing uh like for a show that has like or tries to have anyway specific rules about how these things go like that goes underexplained, um which is just that's just weird on the show gave up uh in terms of like telling you what's going on because when they start fighting they literally don't have like vocal audio for a bit so they're doing a bunch of shit and it's just like what's going on and then and then it cuts to her saying like oh i'm looking for low level cards and i was like wait are there decks to look for cards in and someone says like life cloth i'm like what does that mean like you you're in it's in your life cloth i was like what does that mean and um uh, Tama's about to attack, but then what's her? Uh, Ruko is like, "Oh no, it's a trap! I'm gonna end my turn." And I'm like, "Wait, there are turns? I thought y'all just like did shit." Like, it, but and again, all that would be fine if you had cool sh- stuff happening anyway. Um, like if you had a blue eyes white dragon fighting the skull summoner, ooh, really fun. But no, it's just like it's like um, is a poor comparison, but I mean, just like in the terms of the visuals, um. You know, at the end of that, the Pokemon movie with Mewtwo and, and Mew? Yeah. Cry and they're fighting time. and they're literally like blue blue and pink things like hitting each other. Like they're just kind of like rays of light hitting each other. It's that, 
uh, but without any of the emotional stakes of it being Mew and Mewtwo, and and perhaps it's not it's our not our differences that define us, and then Pikachu cries and all that. Like it's none of the good stuff. It's just like a white and black sphere hitting each other over and over again, and then and then the 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 battle is a is a is a draw because nothing yeah. matters. <laughs> There's basically three things that can happen visually in any of these card fights in the show. Uh, uh, the selector tells their Larig to grow which is like a slight visual change to the Larig that goes completely undetected by me until they've done it several times when they're like, oh yeah, they're kind of wearing a different costume now. That's one. Two is a card is played and it doesn't matter what the card is because all that happens is some sort of like weapon or ball of light appears in the Larig's hand or near the Larig's hand. And then the third thing is one of the Larig's just like charges at the other one. (laughs) That's like it. Like... I think I could get over, you know, we talked about a lot last time of like, they just don't tell you the rules of this card game. So it's hard to like care when these scenes are happening of like what exactly is going on. But if it was like visually interesting and like, you know, more things were happening in any given turn um, or if they were like calling out what they were doing, if you didn't really know what those things were more. Um, but like, yeah, if you looked at like a Yu-Gi-Oh episode of Yu-Gi-Oh uh, with like the audio turned off, like even if you didn't, even if you couldn't tell what was literally happening um, with no dialogue, you'd still be like, "Wow, that's a cool dragon!" Oh, he did a cool flame attack or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's like I get that the show isn't very interested in the card mechanics, but like you can't have these extended scenes and them just not be like visually exciting. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and then to have all the stakes kind of removed from it of like. I thought it was going to be that uh, Ruko loses, and it's like, aha, like, by the end of the series, like, they're going to have another fight, and she's going to win, just like a normal kind of card game plot. Yeah. Uh, but instead, nothing happened, and it's like, okay, well, never mind then. Yeah, I could I could feel the five-episode gap between uh, <laughs> this, uh, like, battle getting called off early and them two facing at the very end of the season. Like, I could just, I could see the road ahead. <laughs> like, I knew that's that's why the battle got cut off. It wasn't for, like, any real reason other than because they're going to fight for real in episode 12, which they do. Um, but even that goes fucking off the rails. <laughs> yeah. The other thing about this fight uh, battle that doesn't work at all for me is it's trying to be like, oh, they're both really going all at it and they're like evenly matched. But the only way the show has of like communicating that is like the two of them being like, like literally um, Ruko and Iona, like, like on their faces being very into what's happening. And then their rigs just continuing to trade like blows back and forth. And at some point I'm just like, I have no idea who is technically like winning or who has the advantage right now. Yeah. <laughs> or like if they're evenly matched, how long does this go on for before like one person's dead? Which like also lead me to ask like, what's this game's like, like, like how does one win a game of Wixos? Like it's fine that you don't tell me like what the individual card types and stuff like that are, but like give me a life point counter or something. <laughs> like I, I have no clue at any given moment who is like in the lead or who is like close to being knocked out of the fight or like what it means to be knocked out of the fight. It's just like complete nonsense. Oh my god! I out of curiosity, I looked up uh, uh, Wixos manual. Uh-huh. Uh, it's seven pages, and there are so many things on here uh none of which are said in the show oh I bet. um like like signy or that uh, word gets Keats. said but i don't know what it means <laughs> i'm still tempted to like buy a deck just to figure out what the fuck is going <laughs> on <laughs> 
Oh my god, assassin? That's, that's like a keyword? Like, like it... There are colorless cards? I didn't know that. I thought you had a red deck or a blue deck. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's incomprehensible. Um, the, um, and then separate from, from this, so, so we have, a Akira up until this point kind of disappeared for a bit, um, you know, for most of the episode, so, so we needed someone to fill Akira's place, and there was Yona, but then Yuzuki kind of starts being like Akira, um, in that she's now, like, hunting new uh, selectors which is kind of they said that about akira in, in episode six where it's like oh you like you decided like once you saw someone was weak you decided to to attack them then because it was like easy wins for you or something like that so now now we have like three jokers uh at, at, for the moment where akira kind of disappeared for a hot minute now we have iona who's like more like masochistic joker whereas akira is like sadistic joker but then uh, Yuzuki becomes like nihilist Joker, where she's just like dead set on on winning and nothing else matters to her kind of thing, um, which is like deeply uninteresting, um, you know. And then she, we'll get into it like the next next episode, I think. Um, but like how that all pays off with Yuzuki, like, which is to say, it it doesn't. Like she just kind of win. I don't know. It's a, until so season two becomes like a non-character. Yeah, yeah. Until yeah, who fucking knows? Uh, yeah, we get more Yuzuki stuff in the next several episodes. Um, I don't know if I have much more about this one. I talk more about Akira, but that's kind of like yeah, the cliffhanger on this one and leads into the beginning of the next episode. Yeah, my my only note about Akira is that I I was like, wait, why does she remember them? Because I thought it was that um, they said you forget your time as a selector, though potentially you you had said I think with Austin you had said that that might just be that because she gained her friends when she was a selector and her her reversed wish was to lose her friends that like she forgot her time as a selector. But I had read that as like, no, you just forget being a selector. Like you can't you're not like led into that world anymore kind of thing. Um, but I guess not because Akira's unless Akira also regained her memories through sheer force of will. <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> yeah, I was under the assumption that it was just Hitoe that lost her memories because of her curse. Um, I didn't. I wasn't thinking about why, like that Akira was able to remember all that. Um, but it's not made super clear by the show, I guess. And I think Hitoe is the biggest Joker of them all. And I think this is actually uh, <laughs> just because the show the show makers were lazy. Uh, there's a, a shot of her laying in bed and she has her glasses on, and it's like, damn, you you're wild. She's just committed to having that one pair of glasses where, like, it just sits on your face at, like, a 75-degree angle, and you just go, damn, I guess, <laughs> I guess this is what it is to sleep with your glasses on. Um, uh, I was I was going to say to that effect of, like, you know, the jokerization of these characters, I guess, as you're putting it. Like, to me, this is, like, a tendency of uh, a lot of Mario Kata written anime, just to, like, have every character have some sort of, like, awful trait. Um, there is, like, a kind of deep nihilism to a lot of her shows. Uh, like, because I haven't seen it in years, but my memory of Kiss Niver is, like, it's literally about this. Um, uh, and not every show of hers is like this. I'm also thinking of, like, Hisune Tomasatan, which is, like, kind of uh, maybe her recognizing that she writes characters like that too much and trying to do the opposite. But um, that's that's the kind of thing about the show that makes me go, yep, this is a Mario Kata show. Like, of course, um, uh, 
of course these characters are going to be like that um which i can see you know i i think there's like you know fun in that like we enjoy akira being the joker but like i need ruko to be uh not that she's like you know jokerified but i need her to be more of a character than just like passively reacting to everybody else around her um i think she's a kind of frustrating main character in that way yeah i mean similar to kisniver kisniver was was very much each of the main characters was like very much a stock character and it was kind of like exaggerated to like whatever oh this is the delinquent and it's like exaggerated to it to the nth degree and oh this is the the shy reserved one and this is the whatever um in the same way all the characters in this are very one-dimensional like oh there's akira she's the sadist there's hitoe she's shy there's yuzuki she wants to fuck her brother there's ruko who's vanilla ice cream yeah like it- <laughs> i was like um compare like just thinking in my head like how does she compare to madoka because let's be honest she's supposed to be the same type of character and um I'm thinking the difference between her and Madoka is that, like, um, Madoka isn't really the character driving her show, but Ruko is here, and I feel like that's a weakness of the show. Mm, Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, Madoka's absolutely a, in my, in my opinion, uh, an incredibly one-dimensional character, so, but she's not the one who, like, yeah, like he said, like, you know, Hamura's doing more of the, the work, and, you know, Sayaka and... Oh god, Apple Girl. I don't Kyoko. Know her name. Kyoko. Like it's it's more about like the relationships and like the events. It's not necessarily like Monica's almost just along for the ride, kind of like an audience surrogate almost. Um, in that she's often very clueless as to what's going on. Uh, you know, in terms of everything, and, and then Kube is being a Kube. Um, but yeah, no. In this, it's like no, we we, we want Monica to. <laughs> to be like the hero the whole time and it's like oh dude monica's there to have homura do unspeakable evil things for yeah i think like the difference um between these two shows uh apart from what you're saying like that like monica's not really like the driving player in that show at least until the end is like those characters that you just mentioned like all are way more multifaceted than the characters in uh, this show. So it's like, it's fine in that show for Monica to be a little bit one dimensional because like, it's all about her interactions with the other characters where it's like, that's just not true about this one. Cause like Rika's not very interesting, but she doesn't have a lot more going on than any of the other characters. Um, but anyway, I think that's probably it for this episode. Uh, so I will do um, another voice actor. Uh, the um, uh, Iona's uh, Larig, which is Ulith, is voiced by uh, Kugimiya Rie. She is Isaka Taiga in uh, Toradora. She is Alphonse in um, Full Metal Alchemist, both the 2003 anime and Brotherhood. Um, I feel like there are only few voice actors that are in both, if I'm remembering correctly. So that's cool. Uh, she's Juzo in Tokyo Ghoul, Kagura in Gintama. I don't know shit about Gintama, but I understand that's a slightly main character um shauna in uh shakugan no shauna um louise the zero in zero no uh sakaima uh happy in fairy tale misere in uh rosario to vampire um rise in persona 4 that's for you danny um nagi in hayate the combat butler koto in kyosogiga um minase uh, iori in the idol master uh diao he liao in the kingdom or in just kingdom i guess that's what it's called um uh ichigo's sister one of them uh kurosaki karen in uh bleach 
which is cool. Yuki in Psyche, um, Tio in Zatch Bell, uh, Nena Trinity in Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zero. She's another uh, anime sicko that I adore. <laughs> She's great in that show. Um, Madoka Agari in uh, Tokidoki Precure. That's Cure Ace. Um, Ikuto in Digimon Savers and Dark Lemonade in Yes, Pretty Cure 5 movie, Great Miraculous Adventure of the Mirror Country, exclamation mark. Um, she plays like a, oh God, uh, if you watched, um, what's the Power Rangers show? Um, <laughs> uh, oh God, it's um, space that they have like the like the evil versions of the Power Rangers in that one. Uh, Dark Lemonade's like an evil version of, of a Precure in Yes, Precure, which is fun. Anyway, um, next episode of Wixos is episode eight, that oath is falsehood. Um, blaming them for the scar on her face, the result of her curse from losing three battles, which has ruined her life, Akira attempts to attack Ryuko and Yuzuki with a knife, but is chased off by a cop, giving the two a chance to escape. Yuzuki tells Ryuko that uh, she should quit being a selector, but refuses to quit herself, saying they should stop being friends. Ryuko spends the rest of the night in tears. Yuzuki finds another selector to battle against the next day, Meanwhile, as Kazuki turns down a girl confessing to him, he learns of the harsh things people are saying about him and Yuzuki. Upon winning her battle, Yuzuki earns the right to become an eternal girl and have her wish granted, entering a ritual alongside Hanayo. Uh, when Kazuki returns home that night, Yuzuki begins only uh, openly showing affection for him. Meanwhile, after her mother buys her a new Wixos deck, Hitoe discovers a red Lurig card that looks exactly like Yuzuki. Ooh! That's the end of the episode. Um, I just thought while reading that, um, I think last time I mentioned that like the episode number that we find out that uh, losing three matches puts a curse on you kind of lines up with the episode of Madoka where they learn about like the true nature of the soul gems. I think this also lines up pretty evenly with the episode that uh, uh, Sayaka gets turned into a witch in Monica. So, you know, it's almost <laughs> like they just had the plot outline for Monica uh, in one window and the uh, uh, like Google Doc for <laughs> the script of the show in another window. Can, can I copy your homework? Yeah, just make sure it's not obvious. Yeah. Oh, man, this is a bad episode. Yeah, I felt um, deflated after watching this one. That's like, oh, really? <laughs> that's the that's the big twist. Okay. <laughs> um. I just don't find it very interesting. And um, I'm not going to say what I learned, but in doing voice actor research, just like being on mal pages for characters in the show, uh, inadvertently spoiled myself to things that are going to be plot points in season two. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that kind of revolve around this twist. That I'm like, oh God, of course they're going to do that. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, curious how that'll go. But most importantly, this is the last episode we get with Akira in it, and she she just goes full Joker. <laughs> I had to yeah, uh, good for her, good for her. Stop myself from laughing reading that description because she literally is just like, I'm gonna become a, a Gotham City villain <laughs> and stab y'all with this knife, She's like, <laughs> like Zaz from uh, from Batman. Yeah, which it's it's a much more boring reversal than uh, Hitoe's. Like it's literally like she has like a. a you know a scar that you know honestly could probably be covered by like foundation or whatever but like i guess because she's like such a vain person that like that is like the end of the, her life for her i guess you know in the in the context of like oh like 
I was going to be the top model, even though I was already losing my modeling job. But now I'll never be a model again, and and I'm ugly, and da 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 da. <laughs> and it's just like, it's in the same way that I just want to say it to Yuzuki. It's like, you're going to be okay. Just like, calm down for a second, okay? <laughs> like, really, like, make her really fucked up if you wanted to go that route. Like, I was just, I my surprise was that it involved, like, any sort of, like, physical, uh, like, uh, damage like period like her her wish is to ruin iona's life for reasons because she's petty and vain and can't stand iona being successful or whatever um but i i wouldn't re initially read like a reverse of that as you're gonna get a sick scar you're gonna you're gonna be uh physically fucked up it's like no i would have thought it'd been like just like i don't know it's magic like it should just be like oh yeah like everybody hates her like she can't get modeling jobs anymore and it doesn't have to literally be like oh we're not gonna hire you because of this fucked up scar you have it's just gonna be like no it's it's a curse like that's how curses work sometimes it's just like the world rejects part of you um yeah such so it's, it's make iona become like top model and she gets like ousted from her from her modeling career and like that way she always like oh she knows she's beautiful but the the modeling people won't even talk to her while while Yona becomes the the top dog or something like that or or becomes you know, an idol or whatever um instead it's yeah like I, I don't yeah it doesn't make any sense it's like it's like they they forgot what the exact wording of her wish was i guess even though it happened two episodes ago yeah, I mean, I thinking about it now, I guess maybe like because they had the thing in a previous episode where like after she like uh, or when she challenges Yona to a battle, um, Yona's like, "Oh, how ironic! You've you've lost your job trying to ruin my uh, uh, my career or whatever because like she's constantly late to things and basically loses her job by like pursuing the selector stuff." So it's like, "Oh, well, we already like." ruined her job just without the curse so uh i guess the curse is a scar <laughs> um it's mm-hmm. just like kind of second thought i guess um that said and like again like the idea of like oh i have like a visual scar nobody will love me kind of thing is just like gross and bad and wrong um like on its face yeah. but i do enjoy like a sicko with the scar just having a good time flailing a knife around <laughs> like the energy of the scene really works for me it's just a lot of fun well, she shows up in like a hockey mask, like yeah. she's like fucking <laughs> yeah. Jason Voorhees or something. So many of my notes are like, "Dear God, she's literally a Batman villain now." <laughs> she's just like she's fully committed to the bit, and then much to my um, disappointment, she disappears from the show after the scene. The, the cop literally chases her out of the show. Um, my <laughs> yeah. only note, seeing her with the scar, was, "Oh shit, Akira is possessed by the War Devil." Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> put a put put awesome in the show. That'll that'll save it. God, you could. Oh my God, uh, uh, Fujimoto could totally take this premise and do something way more fascinating with it. Um, let let Fujimoto write the next Wixos series, please. <laughs> God, that'd be so good. Um, but yeah, then the rest of this episode is just Yuzuki getting her wish, and oh no, it's it's not what it appeared. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, this is this, like Madoka. It's another show where uh, if one character had asked one question, like, what does it mean to be an eternal girl? Then everything would have been solved. But as we saw in episode six or five, six, I think, um, where 
Yuzuki literally goes, oh yeah, you're going to tell me there's a condition I need to meet at some point. I'm just not going to ask you about it now. Um, she just kind of takes it in stride, and, and like I said, she kind of does that thing that Akira's doing, where she kind of like seeks out new people to, to fight, um, and, and she wins, and she does not make hotcakes, she makes like French toast for him, and I was like, damn, hotcakes are the way to go. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I, I thought, I was like, man, that, like she's a completely different character, but I didn't think they were going to go the stupid route. <laughs> I was like, oh, she just realized that to win over her brother, with however that means, um, you just need to like put in a little effort. Um, and then Kazuki kind of gets confronted with hit the possibility of his feelings, which was very funny. Like there's a girl who's like, I want to confess to you. And he's like, no, I'm not really looking for anyone right now. And she immediately goes like, yeah, everyone's talking about how you plow your sister. Kiss me to prove them wrong. And and he's like, fuck you. And she's like, I knew it. You, you do fuck your sister. And he, I'm like, whoa, like, I feel like that's a reasonable thing to get angry about. But whatever. Which all this melodrama happening over Yuzuki having a childhood incest crush is so fucking funny. Um, and then she's fighting... Yuzuki's, like, fighting this completely new non-character. Like, doesn't even have a name. It's not, like, a important battle to her. But then suddenly she's able to sign a contract to become an Eternal Girl, um, which is just something. Um, and then uh, Kazuki's, like, man, girls are, are terrible because he's just, he's just, like, a Sigma male now. Yeah, in case and, you couldn't already um, tell it was a Mario Kata show. Had <laughs> yeah. the character outright uh, say it. And then... Just he, she just kind of immediately like she, he comes home and she just immediately says like yeah by the way I do want to fuck you and he's like yeah I mean yeah fair enough and it's just like it's buck wild and I love the fact that they kind of lampshade it in a future episode where Yuzuki literally says something like so the only wishes that work are the kind of wishes that like would work if you just put a little effort into it. And it's like, yeah, that's that's the wild part, is that there are all these wishes. And it's like, all you have to do is put, like, a little bit of effort. Like, oh, if you want to fuck your brother, just make him French toast and tell him you want to fuck him. And apparently that's all you need. With Hitoe, if you want to have friends, you just talk to someone and make friends with them. And if they're an anime protagonist who is friends with everyone, because that's who she is. It's just, it's this fucking wild thing of, like, oh, yeah, all these wishes are incredibly easy to attain if you, like, actively communicate with someone but instead you get your soul locked in a card like your fucking Mokuba from Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, so there's something I like about that, which is like, and this is a couple episodes ahead, but it's definitely relevant here, that like, um, we have a character literally tell us that like, I don't think it's specifically that like, oh, the only wishes that we can make come true are ones that like you could like make happen yourself. But I think the way it gets phrased is like, um, uh, like, we meet a more omniscient character later who is basically like, yeah, most people end up wishing for things that they could achieve themselves if they just like put the effort into it or like knew how to how to push on the world around them. Right. And so it's like like basically like trivial for a lot of these wishes to be granted. Uh, and I think that's like a very interesting thread of like, you know, you're a teenager, you're like 13, 14, however these girls are supposed to be. I think they're like third year middle schoolers. Right. So they're like just on the cusp of being like 15, 16. Um, and like this idea of like kids that age, like their deepest desires in that moment are usually things that like they can, if not like achieve, can like easily work towards if they like put the effort into. And I'm not like, you know, there's all sorts of barriers like 
you know, socially, uh, structurally, culturally that can like get in the way of that kind of stuff. But it's like an, it would be an empowering message if the show was literally about like, hey, teenage girls of the world, that thing you're desperately seeking for right now, like it's more likely to happen than you think. But the show's not interested in that. And the show's like way more nihilistic in that. So it's like like a hint of a of a cool idea that I don't know, maybe season two will really tug at that. But like it just it doesn't go anywhere, um, which is disappointing. Yeah, it, it, it almost it almost punishes the girls for having these wishes. Like it, it's, you know, because the, the grand reveal, maybe more in the next episode, but whatever, um, that like, you know, so Yuzuki is now a Larig and, and the, the grand reveal is that when you enter a, the contract to become an eternal girl, you become a Larig and the other person takes your body. You essentially lose your body. Uh, yeah, it's fucked for, up. Basically for having this wish. And it's like, that's, why, like, I, why, because of drama or whatever, but like. Well, there's a weird body thing going on in Monica, so we gotta do it here too, that's right? That's true. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. But it's just like, it's just so, I don't know. Like, when everything else is already so nebulous, it's like, what are these conditions that have to be made? You know, is is the condition that had to be made, she made, like, fucking, uh, french toast and and is basically actually starting on the path to make the wish come true that's when she can enter the contract and it's like this kind of like ironic twist but normally when you have an ironic twist it's to teach someone a lesson or to uh give someone a comeuppance or something like that but like these people aren't being taught a lesson other than oh well i was stupid for making that wish and i could have done this myself and not not stupid but like oh i could have done this all myself this whole time but now it's like pointless. Like I literally can't do it anymore. My body is no longer my own. And it's not like a comeuppance thing because like Akira's wish is, yeah, like hers was like spiteful and vindictive. But Yuzuki, you know, this is going to sound weird out of context. Say what you want about incest, but like her wish was not like this selfish, like awful thing. It wasn't like, oh, I want to steal Kazuki from the world. I don't like... She just wanted her feelings reciprocated, which isn't, like, this grave sin, you know, outside of the greater context of, of whatever incest is going on there. But, like, for her to be so punished and then punished even more later as we find out that she broke some rules that are that may essentially condemn her to uh, magical card hell kind of thing forever. It's just this bizarre... Why are you doing this to these people... Other than in Madoka, we also punch down on these girls. Yeah, I feel like the show um, is is hard to contextualize if you like weren't aware of um, the impact Madoka had, right? Um, like, I don't know what you would make of the show if you if you weren't like familiar with Madoka, because it is just so like easy to read it all through that lens. It's like, oh, why did they make this particular narrative decision? Oh, it's because it's it's something that happened in Madoka. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, um, to uh, piggyback off a couple things you said, I don't care for the fact that, like, it never gets explained now in this episode or by the end of the season um, what the conditions are to become an Eternal Girl in the, like, two and a half times we see it happen in the season. Um, and not once are is that explained. Um, but what I do kind of like is, um, kind of like with the French toast scene that you're talking about, like, they're, they do a good job of, like... Um, setting up like Yuzuki having this feeling of like like today's the day right like she goes into that battle like 
I don't even know. I don't know if she specifically says this, but you definitely get the sense of like, she thinks this is the last battle she needs before she becomes an eternal girl. I think it's just something kind of cool about like, you know, um, like, oh, everything's going right today. I made, you know, French toast for my brother and he really liked it. And um, I'm feeling really confident about myself going into this battle or whatever. Like, that'll make sense. But I still wish we would have like gotten a bit more of a literal reason for like, okay, but why this battle? Even if it's just something as simple as like, hey, you need to win 10 battles. Like that's, you know, if that's what it is, like, that's fine. Um, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's, it's weird, especially by the end of the show when it's just happening because characters say it's time for it to happen. Um, and as much as I don't care for the twist, I do like the visuals of like, um, you know, like Yuzuki gets shrunk down to Hanayo's size on like the game board and like they hold hands and say the pack together and like the visual design of the sequence is all really good. Even if like the second Yuzuki shrinks down, I'm like, oh, so she's going to become a Larig. That's where this is going. I don't think I immediately called like the and Hanayo's going to take over her body. <laughs> um but I was like, oh, okay. That's why at the beginning of the show, they were like, you're gonna, like being an eternal girl means having the ability to make wishes come true. It's like, ah, I right. see. Um, how ironic. Which again, like, why do you need the ironic twist? Like, why do you need to punish these people for, you know? Because again, like you said, like, I, I had gotten the timing of it mixed up because I thought that when she made the French toast for her brother that that was um, after she had been larigified. Um, but that was before. It's like she's like, like, it's it's like she's like, oh, I'm identifying that almost like I need to make my wish come true myself. Like, I, if I want to do this, I need to, like, accept that I need to do, to, I need to take these steps. And then, for for whatever reason, because the show needed drama, she gets you know the the karmic twist, and Hanayo like you know they try to explain it away by being like, oh, she could not have told you that uh, this would have happened, I guess. But at the same time, like it's like, Hanayo has no qualms about it. Apparently, she's like, yeah, I'm just gonna fucking take over your body, and that's just what's gonna happen. Who knows what happened to Midoriko when when they lost? I don't I don't know what happens to magical girls when that when that happens, but. What? I think yeah, no. I think we see someone else, like some unnamed character, who has Midoriko as her Larig, like in one of the last two episodes oh. when we see a bunch more selectors. Um, so I guess you oh, just okay. you just you get recycled back out into the the card shops and someone <laughs> happens upon you. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a thing now that I know I'm gonna regret, which is like I hope in I hope season two is much more interested in answering these questions about like the metaphysics of the of the world of Larigs and selectors and um and stuff because um, it seems like like by the end of the season it seems like that's the interest going forward, but I'm sure I'm gonna regret these words when it's like <laughs> miserable whatever whatever those answers are. Are they gonna have to? Fight yeah, God I get the, the feeling like that the explanation is just not going to be. Like, as spiteful as Madoka is, the, the lore in that show makes sense. Like, the motivations of everything make sense in that show, at least. Instead of feeling mm. kind of just cobbled together for maximum melodrama. Not to say that the Madoka ones weren't also made for melodrama, but... Yeah, no, it's just much harsher. At the very least, I don't think we're going to get a cutaway to um, uh, a train on its way to a concentration camp and be like, see this little girl? <laughs> she was a selector, too. Which, if you haven't listened to our Monica episodes or have seen that show, that's a thing that happens in that show, but with magical girls. Just so I don't sound crazy for bringing that up. But um, yeah, 
um as much as i like the ending of monica there's some there's some parts in there that i just remember you go oof why did they do that yeah people really took the wrong lessons from monica didn't they yeah so did the people that made that show with made that third movie <laughs> anyway um um i i mentioned in the in the scene when um yuzuki becomes a selector but uh i don't think it says much overall i think this just like perfectly well made it's not like super impressive but it's not like you know ugly or hard to look at or anything like that i think this is probably one of the more impressive episodes production wise there's lots of good like um storyboarding and um framing of shots and stuff like that that i appreciated and like um good character animations um throughout you could tell this was like an episode where they wrote they were like oh this is going to be like an important one so we should like you know um give our most ambitious like animators and storyboarders to this one um for those kinds of small details but that said like as much as i like the production i kind of hated everything else about this episode um minus akira yeah no uh especially uh uh uh, uh ruko's brother comes back for a hot minute where he just like slaps ruko no reason i mean there's a reason not a good reason there's no reason to include that scene in there like <laughs> Especially, like, he's basically like, oh, you're you're gonna worry grandma, you dumb, dumb lady slap. And then she goes home, and her grandma's like, oh, I missed you. Hope you're doing well. And then she rubs her ears, and it's like, <laughs> why the fuck do you have the scene where his, her brother slaps her? Yeah, uh, I still affirm that there's weird things going on with the grandma. They've yet to fully reciprocate, but I'm still not not ready to trust grandma. Um, she she had she had some choice words for her daughter. Yeah, we'll we'll that. get to that. I think that's an interesting scene to talk yeah. about. But um, uh, that's probably it for this one. So um, Hanayo uh, Yuzuki's little rig um, is voiced by uh, Kawasumi Ayako. She is Saber in Fate, um, Noda Megami in Notame uh, Cantable, um, Fu in Samurai Champloo. Uh, Mahoro in Automatic Maiden, Henrietta in Zero No Sakaima, uh, Miharu in Girls Bravo, Mel in Outlaw Star, which is a cool one, um, K in Girls in Panzer, um, Kazumi in uh, Shakugan no Shana, uh, Gedomaru in Gintama, uh, Tenoji Saki in Teloveru, that's the uh, Ojo-sama character in that show. I was happy to see that. Um, she's Yurie in Ping Pong, uh, which is a character uh, specific for the anime. Um, uh, uh, Irasia uh, Mirai in, and um, of course these are Gundam names, uh, 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 Irasia Mirai and Leslie O'Donnell in Gundam Age uh, and Loretta in Mahotsukai Precure. Yeah, those are some, some Gundam ass names. <laughs> um, and you could tell I haven't seen that show yet or I'd maybe have a better time. Um, pronouncing them all right um episode nine is called that truth is cruel um as rumors about yuzuki and kazuki spread around school yuzuki confesses to kazuki that she has always loved him revealing that her wish was to become his girlfriend unable to take all of this in kazuki runs away to, uh, from school meanwhile ruko uh is approached by hitoe who has once again become a selector and discovers that the real yuzuki has become her new larig as Ruko reluctantly agrees to battle against Hitoe, Yusuke explains the cruel truth behind the selector battles. 
when a selector becomes an eternal girl, their Larig takes over their body and resume or receives their wish instead, whilst the selector themselves becomes a Larig. As such, Yuzuki and uh ends up as a Larig with Nayo taking over her body. Later that day, as Kazuki returns home, he finds Yuzuki looking over her childhood drawings of the two. Um, Kazuki then professes his love to her and the two embrace. Um, my first note in this is, uh, like a parenthetical, the incest plot is still happening, all caps, where are the card games? <laughs> also, like, we don't even get the payoff for Yuzuki doing what she wanted to do because it's not Yuzuki. Yeah. Like come on. Yeah, it's literally it's literally like like if you had established this like oh, a trickster god put all these things together and that's why there's like this ironic twist. It's just like no, it's just like they're they're saying fuck this character. We don't she doesn't get what she wants. Which again, apparently all she had to do was say Kazuki, I love you and and that and the rest would have worked itself out, which obviously like easier said than done. But like that's all she had to do. Yeah. So here's why, here's why? the core question I have about that. Um, is it through the magic of selector Larig stuff that Kazuki even says that he loves her, that he like reciprocates, or is it that oh he's actually always also been in love with her? I think it's the latter. I think he's always been in love with her. Yeah, that's unfortunately what I was thinking as well. The show doesn't, like, take one stance on it. It's not, like, clear. But, like, the way this happens in this episode is, like, she admits her love to him early on in the episode, like, on the roof of the school. Then he spends the rest of the day, like, unsure what to think about it um, and still getting, like, having his classmates, like bully him about it and he he doesn't care that they're like bullying him per se or saying mean things about him he's like you know it's fine that you say those things about me but not about my sister um and then he comes home uh after a while and is like i love you too and it's like oh so he really thought this through this isn't like a you know selector nonsense put a magic spell over him and now he suddenly loves her um and i don't i don't know what to do with that information <laughs> i don't know if the show does anything more with that information other than i guess they're like a weird we're a couple, but we can't be... I don't know, there's, like, beats in other episodes where they're like, well, we can't be too outwardly a couple because people know we're related, and it's like, oh, this is the exact shit I don't care about. Um, just not interesting. But I, I guess I do find it slightly interesting that the show is leaving it open to be like, well, maybe he did actually have a crush on her the whole time. Yeah, well, yeah, I think given that he was, like, so taken aback and, like, had to process his feelings, I think it is, like, a, oh, he just had it all the whole time. Which I think it would, here's something that would have been better, IMO, would be toss all of the body swapping shit. That's stupid. <laughs> the the right ironic twist would be that Yuzuki gets what she wants, but it is, like, a, oh, I like, a magic magically i love you kind of thing where she kind of realizes like oh this isn't real like this is not like a real love or something like that that would have been like a, oh she's realizing that you know this relationship isn't what she expected that uh you can't wish someone to love you you have to put in the effort you know da 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 none of that happens oh yeah, oh my god, I just realized, like, how much of, like, a fucking wasted opportunity it is to not use, like, the fucking twisted wish thing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it gets reversed if you lose, but, like, the twist is the same if you win every single time. It's, you lose your body. <laughs> Once again, looking back at Madoka, that did it better. Mm-hmm. I don't even like Madoka, and I'm saying that. Yeah, it really, it makes you appreciate 
<laughs> uh, much more <laughs> about that show. Yeah. And I and there's just so many things in this episode that were confusing to me. Like, so uh, we went to, to school with people who were siblings, and I'm sure, I can't think of any, I don't fucking remember, but I'm sure we did. If, if and I don't know if, if it's because they're middle schoolers and like, there's like, oh, the, the girl got rejected, so she's popular and she's going to like be a bully or whatever. But like, the way they frame it is like, the entire school is like, wow, they they're fucking huh like those twins are are <laughs> penetrating each other like if if i were in middle school and someone said to me oh you know those two twins they they fuck each other on the regular i would at least be like i don't that doesn't sound right yeah like, i don't think that's true or like I how do you know that go to everyone yeah exactly how like oh they hung out hang out with each other yeah they live together yeah so. oh he, he he's protective of his sister he likes being around her oh they must be fucking <laughs> Why would any yeah. any boy be nice to a girl they don't want sexual gratification from? <laughs> yeah, I was like, is this like a cultural thing where, like, I mean, I know, so, from what I learned over the years, uh, you know, through relationship, but, like, the, like, boys and girls being friends in Japan is less common, but I don't know that that extends to brother and sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it might be more common for, like, you know, oh, Kazuki after school hangs out with his guy friends, and and Yuzuki hangs out with her girlfriends. But like the concept of them like walking to and from school together, or at one point one of them goes like, "Oh, do you think they've done it already?" And the other person goes like, "Well, they live together." And it's like, "Well, of, yeah, of course." What do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> of course they do. Well, and like they don't even do the like classic thing of if you not even related characters. If you want two characters to like appear like they're potentially in a relationship to other characters you depict them being close to one another not like metaphorically close but like literally physically close like have him like like weirdly like cabbage on her on like a locker or something like that or like just like oh they're always like standing really like right right up next to each other or she's always hanging off his shoulder or things like that but they don't even do that they're 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 just in a normal brother sister relationship um other than the fact that she's secretly in love with him and he's also secretly in love with him but like that never like comes across physically it's very strange and it only makes sense through the general tone of the show i guess and also just knowing it's a mario kata show that like yeah, of course it's going to be a show about like teenagers being the worst imagined versions of teenagers, yeah. which is just not fun to watch, I don't think. It it takes you out of the show because no. it's like, you know, like there's no reason for them to be like that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's you can't have everyone be the Joker, okay? Yeah. If if, you know, maybe if Akira had spread the rumor or something like that, it's like, "Oh, you know, we've already seen that Akira has like this fan club though." She now has a fucked up face, so apparently that means she's a outcast and, and no one can ever love her within the context of the show. Um, but instead, it's, it's literally just like it happened overnight and it's like, oh yeah, uh, this one girl spread the rumor and everyone just... Cause, and it was, so Yuzuki was a bit of an outcast, like no one really was shown talking to her. There are a few times where, like, um, uh, she was, like, outside of their the classroom, and some girls were like, hey, you need to stop hanging around uh, Kazuki, you're cock-blocking us, or whatever. But, like, Kazuki is a popular guy. He has many friends throughout the series that we see him with. Um, in the, the, the scene where he gets confessed to, he's literally hanging out with friends, and his friends get mad at him for, for leaving abruptly. Uh, and it just, like, goes from, oh, I thought he was really cool, to, man, he's 
He's fucking his sister, huh? Which, of course, ends up being correct. Like, it's, it ends up being a true statement. It's, it's not unchallenged by the show. Or it is unchallenged by the show. That, that That's a true thing. Um, but it's just bizarre. Like, people don't act like that, generally. You'd have to literally be caught, like, sexting your sister for people to be like, Oh, I saw him sexting his sister, or something like that. Like, it, it wouldn't be this overnight whatever the fuck yeah or there would be like another reason why someone in your school would want to start rumors about you but it wouldn't be like you're the most popular guy in school seemingly and also someone wants to like i, I guess that could be enough but it's not like you know it's not like done that way in the show right it is just like people like the rumors start because people seem to genuinely believe it to be true based off of no evidence yeah um, and i guess it's like again it's like you know this nihilistic view about teenagers that just like oh they just have the propensity to like start baseless rumors and spread them like wildfire because that's apparently what being a teenager like it's like mario mario kata's like style of writing teenagers broadly is like um the my chemical romance song teenagers like like that that's her worldview it's just like yeah teenagers are are fucking scary man um <laughs> uh which is just like not true of the breadth of human experience yeah, you would, uh, I would, I would expect this scene to play out in, like, Wadamote, which is a comedy. Yeah. Yuri comedy. Well, like it's a Yuri harem now. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, now it's Yuri harem. <laughs> but it's still, like, it, it treated everything kind of lightheartedly in terms of, like, you know, her failing to make friends and all that, it, you know. Uh, but instead of this, it, it's, a, this is deadly serious. <laughs> like, there is not a bit of levity in, uh, the scenario they're describing here. Yeah. It was at this point in the show that I um, started to think, man, I miss Gridman. That was a show where the teenagers mm. like talked and acted like actual teenagers. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head who wrote that show. And I think they also wrote on Dianazanon, but they're like diametrically opposed to Mario Kata in my mind. <laughs> just like they know what being a teenager is like in a way that Mario Kata just apparently can't remember uh, what being a teenager was like. Or, you know, maybe in all fairness to her, maybe had a very shitty childhood and that's also fair, but like, I don't know, look to other people's experiences, I guess, before you just put vile out into the world. Um, yeah. I have, I have three more notes for this episode. Um, okay. They're, they're rapid fire. One is, why the fuck is Hitoi back in the game? I was very upset by that. Uh, two back. is, where's Akira? What can you say? I was very upset by that. Because <laughs> uh, if they set up Akira and then she's left, I was like, oh, she'll come back and like cause chaos. No. No. Uh, and then the last one is just, this is so lame. I think that's when they revealed that... Uh, uh, or no, when, that was when the... the he confirmed that yes, he wanted to plow his sister as well. I was like, "This is this is lame. This is so stupid." Yeah, my my uh, sentiment to that was to immediately find and copy paste the image of Darth Vader going no at the end of Revenge of the Sith because that that was my um, verbal reaction at the time. Um, yeah, I think. God, that's could you imagine if all if, I got for this episode? Too. Could you imagine if Kazuki had said like, you know, I, I recognize your feelings for me, but really, I just want to be there as your brother, and like, I'll always love you that way, and like, I hope that's enough for you, and like, Yuzuki realizes like, oh, that is enough for me, and and I'm gonna live my life like, wow, that would have been nice, but that would have nope. been too normal. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. I do have one more note. I didn't write down this whole thing, but I, I think it's when she's like confessing to him on the roof. She has this whole like monologue where she talks about like being straightforward, which she she believes is like 
her defining characteristic across the series, which is like, okay, whatever. I don't know if that's it, but whatever. It's, it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but she goes like, you know, straightforward is blah, 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 straightforward, yada, yada, like has this whole thing where she says this. And um, the one I put down in my notes or copied the screenshot for is like, she says like, straightforward and hurting others. And I'm like, this is where I thought of Gridman. I was like, teenagers don't talk like this. Like, for a show exclusively about, like, a bunch of 13, 14-year-olds and, like, one grandmother, <laughs> the only character that's actually, like, written properly for their age is the grandmother. Um, it's just, like, I don't know. Like, it, I guess it's cool to have a scene where the character's, like, thinking reflexively about themselves, but, like, that's not how a teenager would, like, vocalize any of that. I know I wouldn't have as a fucking 14-year-old. Um, it's... <laughs> It's a bunch of chunibios. That, that's why they're saying it that way. They have yeah, to I use guess. all the purple prose because it's in their uh, the Necronomicon or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I guess this is just like the appeal of the show, like going over my head, where it's like, I actually, I'm not here for like teenagers that are gonna be like edgy about their feelings. I just want you know more uh, grounded characters. Thank you. We're not even grounded. Just I mean, more I'm fine with teenagers realistic. being edgy about their feelings. I just don't think the show delivers on that very like, yeah in a very interesting manner. Yeah, probably being too flippant with these, uh, like, edgy, I guess just, like, I don't know, like, waxing poetic about their feelings in a way that just, like, is, like, no, teenager wouldn't talk like that. Uh, but anyway. Um, okay. Uh, Pira Luke, which I maybe should have done early in the show because I didn't realize she'd be out of the show so soon, but Pira Luke is Akira's um, Larig uh, and is voiced by Onishi Sayori. Um, she is Ice Wallenstein in Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in the Dungeon?, um, she's Shikimori in Shikimori's Not Just a Cutie. Uh, that's a recent show. Uh, she's uh, Kori in uh, Ari Ferretta. She's uh, Vine in Gabriel Dropout. She's La Folia uh, Rehaven in Strike the Blood. Um, she's Nozomi in Sunny Boy. Beelzebub in As Miss Beelzebub Likes. Um, Hisako in Shokugeki no Soma. Mejiro McQueen in Uma Musume. I love her. Um, non in Keijo with eight exclamation marks. You can't forget the eight exclamation marks. Um, Kuro in Restaurant to Another World. Alicia Charlotte in Aikatsu Friends. Also love her. Um, I in Amanshu. Also love her. And she is um, Shina Nada An in uh, Delicious Party Precure. That's like the mom of one of the characters. Very small role, but that's the newest Precure. All right. Um... Episode 10 is called That Emotion is Stranded. Um, I feel like they're really... Death Stranded? Yeah. <laughs> they're really, like, losing the thread on these these this naming convention. I think that's mostly the fan subs that we're watching, though, because I think the official English titles give up on the That Noun is Blank um, naming scheme um, <laughs> by some of these later episodes, because it just doesn't sound right. Um, but anyway, uh, so episode 10... Uh, upon hearing Yusuke's explanation, Hitoe feels a rush of memories and collapses under the strain, causing the battle to end. After Hitoe is rushed to the hospital, Yusuke recalls what happened after she became a Larig, waking up in a mysterious white room where she learned the truth about selectors in Larigs from a mysterious woman named Mayu, um, who also told her that Larigs who tell their chosen selectors how their wishes are granted in order to keep them from battling will remain trapped in their cards for forever. Which, side note, isn't like a hard and fast rule. It's more like a, if you tell them that, then they'll never win, and then you'll be stuck in the card forever. It's, it's weird. Um, 
Yuzuki had initially planned to deceive Hitoe in order to have a chance at escaping, but upon seeing Hitoe still uh, desire friends, despite the pain her curse inflicts upon her, Yuzuki made the decision to tell the truth in front of her during her battle against Ruko, as she didn't want to sacrifice Hitoe's happiness for her own freedom. After Hitoe's mother arrives, Ruko and Yuzuki follow Hanayo uh, as she goes out with Kazuki, or I guess like Hanayo as Yuzuki, um, uh, as she goes out with Kazuki, seeing the effects of Yuzuki's wish in motion. Later that night, Tama laments uh, that she knows nothing about her past life or anything concerning the selector battles. Um, the next day at school, Ryuko learns of an event Yona is holding to lure out select. Uh, the Wixos party is back, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, love the... Uh, I joked about this with you, Danny, but love the uh, the moment in this where <laughs> uh, Yuzuki, as a Larig, is like... Well, actually, it's okay, because Hanayo made my wish come true, so good for her. She gets to be the one to be with my brother now. Um, reminded me of, like, when people in the Saw movies are like, you know what, Jigsaw really did make my life better by putting me in that death trap that I escaped. <laughs> yeah. my, my only note for that was, imagine getting cucked by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, um, I had a, a funny thought of, uh, mm-hmm. what if Tama takes over uh, Ruko's body and Ruko just becomes just like, this like yeah 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 barely speaking any sentences kind of person like I thought this as well that would that would be truly delightful yeah. I had a lot of questions about like wait are the rigs also eternal girls is it like a pipeline of like normal girl to eternal girl to the rig back to normal girl is it like a cycle mm-hmm. um maybe well hanging over my head this uh, this isn't the uh, the mouse spoiler in particular I was talking about earlier, um, but hanging over my head the entire time we've been watching the show is when I did the voice actor stuff for Flying Witch. Um, one of those voice actors voiced a character in the show called like the Larig of the beginning or something like that, and I remember reading it out and being like, "Haha, that's a funny thing to name a character. What could that mean?" But the more <laughs> into the show, the more I'm like, "Oh no, I don't want to know what that means." keep it away <laughs> um, oh no so it's like yeah i guess they're they're maybe that's what tama is is like a, a like a pure larig like born in the in the card verse um not a real like not a real girl um whatever <laughs> but again this is not Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah there is no oh in ancient times they used to do these shadow games or whatever so far, it's literally just there are these cards that some of them are magic. So for them to be like, oh yeah, there's also a, a Larig, a first Larig. It's like, what does that mean? For like a first edition Pikachu, like what <laughs> yeah. the fuck? Yeah, it's the holographic. No, like I assume that's what season two is gonna eventually build to. But the funny thing about that to compare it to Yu-Gi-Oh is like uh, not counting like the the first Yu-Gi-Oh series, like the Yu-Gi-Oh Duel Monster series literally begins with like a narrator being like 4000 years ago in ancient Egypt there was there was a version of card battles that we now play in real life Tokyo um or like modern day Tokyo and it's like from the jump you know that's the case like you know that like there used to be these shadow games it's not like a season 4 Yu-Gi-Oh reveal like you just know that um but we have to go through this whole show being like hey what's up with the fact that some of these cards are alive and some of them aren't um just very funny to think about this show in comparison to Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, and this show is now now it's it stops it, it it's like okay, we need a new punching bag. Hitoe is back in the game. We need someone to punch down on. Ah, fuck it, Yuzuki. We'll, we'll like fuck her. We'll we'll have her get cucked by herself and she'll be like weirdly accepting about it, but like at the same time 
condemned to now condemned to magical girl hell because uh she told what's her face about uh the truth behind the things which i thought it was that like it's like a rule that if you tell them like you will just be stuck in the card forever like they they decide that aha you are now stuck in magical girl prison but I guess that makes more sense that, like, literally, like, yeah, someone's not going to sign the contract with you if they know that they will get condemned to magical card hell. Yeah, which it's like, it's like that so that, like, an episode or two from now, when Hitoe does, like, do a battle, it's, like, in defiance of the fact that, like, she knows what's going to happen if she gets her wish granted kind of thing. Um, I do... I do love that. It's like the show realized, because before, for most of the first half of the show, Yuzuki and Ruko were together. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like the show realized, like, oh, fuck, we cannot hang this show off of Ruko alone. (laughs) So for most of this episode, she has, because uh, Hitoi is in the hospital, like, she has uh, Yuzuki with her. And, like, Yuzuki's just telling her, like, go here, do that, go here, do that. It's like, man, they really were like, we cannot have Ruko be the star of this. Yeah. Yeah, Ruko's a character that, like, without any sort of, uh, like, external force to push her in a direction would just stand still for the entirety of the show. Um, No no clear motivation whatsoever. It's very funny because, like, there's scenes where, like, um, she's just, like, spending time with her grandma, like... I think it's like maybe in a previous episode, like when she's like no longer quote unquote friends with Yuzuki uh, and Hitoe like doesn't remember her where it just made me think like, yeah, what, what do you do with yourself when you're not like playing card games with Yuzuki and Hitoe? You just like peel vegetables with your grandma. Like she's just like not a character outside of the like literal plot of the show. Um, Like she just doesn't have any like defining. um, I I mean, I guess that like that literally is her whole character. It's just funny to see it. And like you're saying, like the show had to rush to get like her and Yuzuki back together somehow. Um, It is funny to me that like Hitoe puts Yuzuki in like, it's like a train pass card kind of holder. So it's like a Netflix necklace. So she's just like kind of like a millennium item in Yu-Gi-Oh! Like just has like Yuzuki around her neck talking to her um most of this episode. Well, well and i think that's where uh tama was before um which means that tama was just like put in a bag or something <laughs> like there are parts where she's like holding both of the cards and, and tama's just like out and about and then like oh yeah you're in the protected case uh, yuzuki tama eh, fuck yourself yeah tama's gonna get like chipped edges and resale value is gonna be real Ugh. low um here here's my called shot I forgot that I wrote this in my notes, but uh, I did. So this, this is my called shot for season two. Um, I'll just read this. Um, okay, so Grandma is an eternal girl, like a Larig now in a human body. <laughs> That's my called shot. A Larig Grandma. She she is uh, the Larig of the beginning or whatever the fuck. Did did she? I'm trying to remember. It might be next episode. Oh no, okay, it's the next episode where she's talking to, after she gets off the phone with uh, Ruko's mom. She she like asks Ruko yeah. what her wishes. Yeah, that's next episode. And I was like, aha, something's going on with Grandma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't trust her. Do not trust her. Which that would be a whole another fucking layer of what the fuck's going on in that like, or what does that mean for like Grandma? If if we find out that um, Grandma has been completely unrelated to Ruko this whole time, she's just like a spirit inhabiting her grandmother's body. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe Tama is going to be her original grandma. Oh, uh, it really she's, is. You just been in card hell. It really is. Yeah. Yuki's grandpa trapped in a card the whole time. 
She's been in card hell for so long that her vocabulary is reduced to nya nya and I like battle, battle now, I like mm-hmm. battle, battle me. Until the plot says, actually, I don't like battle anymore. <laughs> I don't want to battle. Um, I hate battling. Uh, the, um, the, the thing this also makes me think of is like, Hanayo as Yuzuki is not... It's fundamentally not a different character. Like, it's still Yuzuki, which is weird to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, it took me a while to realize that, like, hey, that's actually Hanayo, not just Yuzuki split into card Yuzuki and actual Yuzuki. Mm. <laughs> because Hanayo Yuzuki's, yeah, no different. Yeah, yeah. you would think that she would, like, act differently or not have all of Yuzuki's memories, and it's like, oh, she didn't know that Kazuki's allergic to nuts or something. Or even just a few lines of, I'll do this for you, Yuzuki. <laughs> Yeah, or any sort of moral quandary. Like, if Hanayo at any point in Yuzuki's body went like, man, I feel terrible for what I've done to Yuzuki. But no, she just is like, yeah, I get to fuck Kazuki. He's he's cool. He's a big cock. It's fine. Like, she's, like, completely fine with all of this. Like, I guess, like, yeah, she got what she was. She's out of card girl hell. But, like, again, she just has no quandaries about it at all. And then Yuzuki, as Yuzuki in the card, is like, it's okay. I'm glad that my body's getting the wish or whatever. (laughs) Fucking weird. Yeah, actually, I'm glad that uh, Jigsaw the Rig had my head stuck in that clamp. Um, It builds character, actually. (laughs) Um, The... uh... Like, the thing is, is, like, if you didn't know any better or if the show didn't literally, like, explain what happened at the end of the last episode to you, you would think that, like, maybe there are now two Yuzukis, right? Like, there's the Yuzuki that continues to live her life and, like, has her wish granted. And then there's the Yuzuki that's trapped in a card. And it's almost like, you know, like, two, uh, uh, like, offshoot timeline versions of yourself, like, existing in the same space, right? Where it's like they're like a split happens and suddenly there is Yuzuki as a card and Yuzuki still as a person, which would be interesting in its own way. But like they, they literally just don't do anything with it. It's like it's more interested in the idea that Yuzuki is now trapped in a card forever and not like, hey, what's it like being Hanayo but in Yuzuki's body and having to be in love with her brother uh, because of the selector rules and stuff? Um, maybe we'll get that in season two. Again, monkey's paw curling that we'll, we'll get that in season two and it'll just be awful. Um, that would also kind of require Hanayo to be a character. Which, that's true. Um... Well, mm, <laughs> maybe I should just say the thing I read on Mal, which is that um, the thing that gave something away about season two to me is I was looking up Pure Looks voice actor and Mal does this thing where like it'll tell you like the character's name and then like in quotations between their first and last name or just after their first name if they only have a first name in the case of Pure Luke. It'll say like other names they go by, right? Um, like when characters have like nicknames in like a superhero show or something. And Pure Luke has just like a normal person's name in the quotations, which makes you go like, oh, right. Pure Luke was presumably a real person before she was in the card. So are we going to get like Pure Luke backstory in season two? Like, are we going to learn about like who Hanayo was before she was trapped in the card? Are we going to learn about um, uh, Midoriko, uh, what she was like before she was in a card or whatever? Uh, which I guess now that I'm thinking about it opens the door for one of them to have been on a train to Auschwitz. So, God damn it. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> We're gonna get that scene. I know it. But the thing that's, I guess, that's funny to me about 
having found this out on Mal of all places, is there's no indication that the show is interested in this in like the episodes we watched. Like there's no interest in like, oh, what was Hanayo like before she was a car now that we understand how the rigs are made. Um, so it's just weird. It's just like, I don't know. I don't want to say like poorly written. There's a better way to maybe put it than that, but it's I, like there's no, all these it, all these poorly written. threads that don't go anywhere that you're like, if if I was if I was editing the show, I would read through a draft and like underline these things and be like, hey, you, you know, define this rule or this mechanic, that's fine, but like, you know, you kind of leave a huge gap in uh like, you know, the reader's imagination or the viewer's imagination. It's just weird, very inconsistent. Like it's it's leaving all the satisfying answers to anything for later seasons mm-hmm. and it just makes the season feel bad. <laughs> It's a more eloquent way of like saying, "Hey, like, there's not really any satisfying resolutions here." But yeah, yeah I don't, I don't know. Does that have you feeling uh, confident about the next season? Here's my called shot. Uh, by the time we get to, if there is an explanation, but by the time we get to it next season, remember how earlier in this season they show Tama as like this ghoul person? Yeah. We will have forgotten that that happened by the time we get to it. <laughs> Probably be like, wait, why is she like this? Like, what? Because yeah. there's no reason that should have been in there. Like, there's other than uh, we need to set up that there's something spooky happening behind the the all of this or whatever. Like, yeah, this this season has. Um, sorry to break this up. I guess it's just the first thing my mind goes to, um, and I haven't seen um, <laughs> several of the other YA book adaptations that got split into two but it reminds me of how the um the last two harry potter movies play out where one is all set up and the second one is just all like it's just an entire third act of a movie but that's the whole movie um this reminds me of that it's just like this first season is all just like setting up all the things that the show is really interested in that they're going to get to like talk about uh and handle in season two like there's no real well we'll get to it in episode 12 there's no real like resolution to any of these characters by the end of things there's just more questions it's very weird mm-hmm. that this isn't just like 120 i guess it's like probably like a production thing in terms of like financing but it's just weird that it's not a 24 episode show and that it's like two 12 episode seasons uh, but hoping this at least the second season has like more um uh, uh like it's better paced because I feel like these last six episodes kind of dragged. Not a lot really happens other than like we get a we get a revelation and then like um, we uh, we get characters like having to react to those revelations and that's not super interesting given the characters we have. They they react very briefly because it's the end of the series or end yeah. of the show. Um, it's at this point in the show that I put in my notes, uh, <laughs> crying, sobbing, puking. Where's Akira? <laughs> <laughs> um, because I like I think it literally probably was halfway through this episode. I was like, man, this just is not engaging. Where, where's my little sicko? Where'd she go? I miss her. Um, I think the only other thing I have to say is um, hashtag selector, which we get in this episode. <laughs> oh, it's her dog whistle for all the selectors out there. You get like the people in the classroom being like, why? Why is she using that that terminology? What's a selector? And it's like, well, if you know, you know. But also, like, then we have. Ruko needs to go to Gargoyle oh my God, yes. to figure out. I forgot about Gargoyle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is, this is what I put in my notes, literally the best fake Google name I've ever seen. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Any any other fake search engine in, uh, uh, in any other show has not been trying hard enough. Gargoyle is amazing. Um, I also do like that Iona's um, 
Twitter handle or Twitter at is um, Iona underscore Ulith. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, a little weird that she's like putting out a public call for it. Um, but only selectors seem to actually show up to the party. Like, I don't know if I was like into this card game and just a normal person and like knew who this seemingly popular famous model was be like oh yeah let's let's go to an abandoned building or constructed building and um uh play some card game sure <laughs> like i needed a scene in the next episode of like just some schmo showing up and be like all right so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna trade cards and, and battle and stuff Where, where's the food um be very very shocked <laughs> at what they see what they see which is just a bunch of people falling asleep because that's how when you battle it's just a bunch of people falling asleep yeah um okay uh another voice actor uh tama is voiced by kuno misaki she is hawk in seven deadly sins apparently that is a talking pig seems cute um momo speaking of cute momo in sangatsu no lion that's the little girl mm. in like the family she's adorable uh nico in kiznaiver do not remember who that is uh frederica in 86 shio in happy sugar life uh hisune in hisune tomasutan great show um kurami in myriad colors phantom world uh Sarara in log horizon uh pelops 2 in godzilla sp which is like a little ai shiba inu uh love that guy classic little dude um Ichihara Nina in The Idolmaster, Akane in Dorabara, um, Haine in Summertime Render, um, which is currently airing, uh, uh, Elf Nine in Symphogear. Danielle, you know Symphogear better than me. I don't know who that is off the top of my head. Yeah, she's... Um, well, no, we watched season three together. Elf Nine was the... Um, Expect me to remember tiny anything that, that happened. Looked like the villain girl. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Uh, another recent show, she's Kurami in uh, Lacoris Recoil, uh, and she is GGK in Carol and Tuesday. Um, episode 11 is called That Summer is Longing. Um, while scouting, I'm reading that title back, I'm like, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that have anything to do with this episode? The w- Wikipedia says the, the English title is The Summer of Dreams. Mm, so maybe, maybe the fans have really fucked this one up anyway Mm. uh still it's summer question mark (laughs) they didn't do the classic anime shot of like you see the heat coming off the sidewalk and you hear cicadas cicadas (laughs) Um, yeah (laughs) uh, how else would i know it's summer um all right uh while scouting out the location of inoa's event the large tower uh that's being built near ruka's home ruka states that her wish is to free yuzuki tama and all the other larigs and return them to their normal lives while yuzuki thinks that's a wish that can't be granted tama feels she may know a way to return larigs to normal with yuzuki remembering mayu telling her that some larigs may possess special powers yuzuki warns ruko that uh going through with this wish would mean uh never being able to see her family again uh, Hitoe appears and receive, or retrieves Yuzuki, stating that she will participate in Iona's event. Upon arriving home, Ruko overhears her grandmother speaking on the phone with her mother as she chastises her uh, for not being fit to be Ruko's mother. Uh, on the day of the event, Tama voices her objection to Ruko going to battle as she is uncertain whether her wish will be properly granted. Arriving at the event, Ruko, Hitoe, and the other selectors are greeted by Inoa 
who announces the event will take the form of a bracketed tournament with the winner getting the chance to battle against Iona. As Ryuko fights her way through the tournament, she come, uh, soon comes up against Hitoe. Upon hearing how Ryuko wants to battle for fun like they used to, Yuzuki tries to get Hitoe to recall her memories. Uh, and that's where the episode ends. Um, they're finally in Dula City, aka like a building that like <laughs> they set up in the first episode and never showed after that. <laughs> They showed maybe like a couple times, but it doesn't really get like, you know, it, it's, they certainly don't bring up the fact. I don't know if this is, oh, it's this episode that, you know, mentions, oh yeah, my father owns this building. I'm like, what? Oh, did she say that? I yeah. forgot about that. She's like, oh, we're holding this tournament here uh, because my father owns it. And because my father owns it, I've dismissed the construction staff for the entire day. So we won't have any interruptions. And it's like, oh yes. Aha. Plot convenient, uh, empty building. <laughs> you love to see it. Um, I thought this during the... They didn't even, like, do, like, a cool, like, um, like, movie montage of, like, Ruko going up the floors and fighting different battles. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> you got the setup right there. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm looking at the, the picture of the, like, tournament bracket. She would have had to have, like, done, like, eight matches uh, to get to the, the top floor. Like, especially because, like, the card battles don't matter. Like, yeah, just do a montage. Um... I thought of this when they first showed the building, but the like construct constructed building just reminds me of the um, uh, human horse race arc from Kaiji, um, which it would it would just be very funny to me if these girls had to go through that uh, instead of card battling, but um, uh, unfortunately not. Um, yeah, my heart kind of dropped when it's like, and we're gonna do a tournament. I'm like, in any other like card fight anime, I'd be so excited. Because tournaments are where you get to see, like, the weird guys that just have, like, some weird personality quirk, like, you know, bug-obsessed to the point of, like, looking and dressing like a bug or whatever. Like, classic Yu-Gi-Oh! guy shit. Um, guy or girl or whoever. But, like, you know, it's, like, th the show is so uninterested in, like, the, uh, like, semantics of a card game anime that it's just, like, the second they're, like, yeah, we're doing a tournament, I'm, like, great, more wasted opportunity. Like, I knew it wasn't going to be interesting. Like, it's just, like, a... Like, why, why are we doing this? Why is it not just, like, it's all building towards Inoa, like, um, having a rematch with uh, Ruko. Why isn't it just, like, hey, Ruko, meet me at the top of this building that my father owns, by the way, uh, and we'll have our rematch. Like, that's all that needed to happen. Yeah, and, and everything surrounding it is just more and more rotten. Like, um, oh, I have a f uh, fucking Tama being like, I have a feeling I can just... Everything that, that Mayu said, I, I, I think I can handle it. I think I think she's full of shit. And then Mayu being like, oh yeah, and the rigs, some of them may have special powers. I'm not going to explain what that means because I want it open for plot convenience and sake in the future. But let's just say some of them might have special powers. Who knows when? Um, I was fully expecting... I knew that Yona and Rue were going to have the... The final battle together and i was fully expecting iona to just be like by the way the wish you thought you had it's not actually that and ruko because she's just a fucking sponge just being like yeah you're right actually like yeah you, you saw right through me because that's what she does this entire fucking show um it's just so oh and and of course they're doing the madoka thing of uh, fucking mm -hmm. yuzuki being like if you do that you'll never be able to say see your family again some might say you'll be on another plane of existence unknown to all of us. <laughs> yeah, it says for all, for all she says for all we know you could end up sealed away as a sacrifice or something even worse. Uh, my my notes that just say like becoming god. 
um yeah very funny that it's it's just monica again well and that whole discussion was so fucking annoying too the one where they were uh he was talking to to mayu and she's in like this like white space that's like very like fucked up architecture stuff that we, you saw coincidentally in monica as well but in monica yeah. it was like much more pervasive like a lot of that show had weird fucked up architecture and like especially when you were in the witch's domains so, like there was some interesting stuff going on there here it it for one feels incredibly ripped off from monica like to the t like literally like oh i could see someone just being like yeah just put that in um but also it just it's it's in service of a scene that's doing nothing like there's no reason they have to have the fucked up architecture other than to show that oh mayu can can appear one place in another and ooh or whatever it's it's just so stupid yeah i agree the um funny thing to me is like we had this like whole flashback in the last episode of ruko having this encounter with mayu and like learning all these things and then it's this episode that she goes oh yeah and by the way she also told me all this stuff too <laughs> it's like just very funny to like flashback to it again and be like oh i totally forgot to mention this whole other conversation we had while i was in this weird space um yeah like i know this is not how these shows are made but it literally feels like they they were writing each episode after the last one was made <laughs> like yeah. They were like, oh, shit, we didn't set this part up. Oh, okay, nothing we can do. We just got to keep going forward. Yeah, again, in that same way of, like, it just feels like the show needed a real strong editing pass on it. Of just things like that where it's like, you know, hey, if you're going to, you know, give information in a flashback like this, like, it should all be at once, right? Like, it, you know, doesn't make sense to, like, other than just to, like, keep another reveal. I guess it was like, shit, we need to fill out 12 episodes. We have nothing to put in episode 11. Because I was also surprised that, like, there's an entire, like, half to three-fourths of this episode before the tournament stuff actually starts. <laughs> it's like, you mm. know, the way the last episode ended, I was like, okay, let's get into it. Like, let's let's do some more battles. Let's let some plot happen. And then it's more just like, I and mean, I guess it is plot, but it's just like characters talking about things they're going to try to do in the next episode. And that's like, you know. Uh, not as fun as just seeing them think like again you know i'm not gonna apologize for it but uh gonna go back to Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, a thing Yu-Gi-Oh does constantly is has characters work through their feelings and their thoughts and their actions and like what they're gonna do and how they're gonna get out of situations while they're playing the goddamn card game <laughs> like you know the way that like nothing really happens during the card games um on top of like the card games having no real like uh sense of like who is winning or what's going on is just very strange it's like um and you know like mario kata i don't think has written for any other uh like similar show like this so it really comes across like you just have no familiarity with the genre like you just don't know how this stuff works like there's a there's a way in which that like conflicts like these get resolved in shows like this and it's just like it's not happening here um, which is as someone that likes that stuff, it likes the way that a card game show works like that, um, is very weird and frustrating to see it like just like fall apart by not understanding like the genre space. Similar to Monica being spiteful. Yeah, about yeah, exactly. And the, the stuff you you had mentioned that there's like a whole bunch of shit before the the tournament actually happens. It, it's 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 no it's it's empty. It's uh. She talks like she listens in on her grandma 
chastising her mother for being unfit and saying like don't even talk like you're not her mother and she's not the child or adult that you think she is and you know da 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 um and then immediately being like oh what, like what's your wish did you wish for something bad you know whatever and it's just like it's just loaded with all of this nonsense of like setting up these threads without resolving anything else and like retconning itself immediately after establishing something so you know and i hate when they do it's, it happened in monica too but like which coincidentally happened in monica too um where they have these like things where like okay these are the laws of the world they're un unshakable like they're established as being unshakable you know hitoe will never get friends she will lose her memories as a selector akira will get her wish uh reversed and she'll get a fucked up scar but maybe that'll go away next season we don't know yet um but like unless you put your mind to it then then you'll just regain your memories um and you'll be able to get friends again um you know it, it's just it's whatever and, and i'm fine with stories that are like no matter how much time passes like we'll always know each other like we'll always like get back to each other like kingdom hearts did that where it's like don't worry no matter what happens i'll i'll find my way back to you kind of thing but this is like literally like the universe itself saying this is a rule that is unbreakable and then the show immediately forgets that when it it needs to change up the rule. it's like it's trying to set up that rule to raise the stakes but then it undercuts it because it needs it for plot convenience it's like no you need to have consequences in your world stop doing that damn it yeah you need to like earn yeah. breaking one of your own universe's rules <laughs> and just the uh oh uh giving a toy back her memories would make things more uh, would raise the emotional stakes doesn't count <laughs> yeah which is it's so funny how they reveal it in the next episode where she literally she's like oh, yeah I, yeah i've had my memories for a while now i just hit it it's like yeah. what <laughs> huh? yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up Yu-Gi-Oh again to talk about uh, a, a similar type of uh, duel that happens in that show that I adore. I watch this um, like series of episodes all the time, partially because I, um, y'all know this, the Game Boy Advance had, I forget the branding that were on it, but they would sell like episodes of cartoons on GBA cartridges. They'd be so low quality and you could only fit like one or two episodes on a cartridge. So you'd have to buy like multiple cartridges to have any amount of episodes. But this arc of Yu-Gi-Oh was yeah. on <laughs> these GBA cartridges that I had. Um, so I watched them a bunch on that. And then I think at some point I actually got the DVD of this arc. But like there's a there's a duel in season two of Yu-Gi-Oh, um, the Battle City stuff, where Yugi has to battle like a corrupted Joey and over the course of the fight, like yell at him about how much he means to him and how much of a support of friends he is. And like, remember this time and this kind of stuff it has to like break through that evil shell to like get to the core that is joey and like why does that not happen with hitsue and ryuko like why does ryuko not have to like hey remember that time that you showed me your notes in the library like it's not like those scenes didn't happen that you can call back on instead it's just like um oh hey actually i just remembered it and i just didn't tell you because it wasn't convenient for me and so that we could reveal it to the audience now i'm like it's just it, it's so like I think the show wants to be in a melodramatic mode, but if it was, it would do that kind of stuff. It would have Ruko like be yelling like, Hey, you're my friend. Remember this time we did this. You mean so much to me, like saying her emotions out loud. Instead. It's just he to a being like, Nope, I remember. No, okay. <laughs> I guess you did. It, sure. Well, it made me, it made me think like, cause in episode 10, it starts with her like feeling the rush of mem memories and collapsing and, and all that. And 
my first initial read was mm-hmm. was she faking that like <laughs> was like, did, or was that when the memories came back but then she just never mentioned it and was like a jerk for no well, reason like i'm glad you brought that up because i forgot to mention this when we were talking through that episode my initial read and literally until i read the wikipedia description was i was like oh i guess that's what happened my initial read is because either earlier that episode or the previous episode there's a scene where Hitoe is like holed up in a room and her mom comes in and she's like, have you eaten anything today? And Hitoe just goes like, no. And is like, oh, well, you should eat something. That's bad to not eat anything. And then the next time we see her is like that, that fight that they're having in the alleyway. I'm like, oh, she collapsed oh. just because she has low blood pressure. She hasn't eaten anything. So I'm get this girl some soup. Um, it did not read to me as like, oh, the flood of memories like made her faint or whatever. Um, just thought that was, <laughs> that was very funny. I was so clearly like, oh, she hasn't eaten. They set that up. Cool. <laughs> I read the, the descriptions like, oh, I, I guess that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. Very funny. Which, again, it was, doesn't matter because she got her memories yeah. back with off screen. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> Very strange. Uh, speaking of food, um, this also feels like a thing that ought to have a dot to connect it to, but it doesn't. And then I guess there's a scene of like her drying off potatoes with her grandma. But when Ruko like, leaves to go to the tournament, she tells her grandma, like, her grandma's like, will you be you know, back home for dinner? What do you want to eat? And she's like, I want potato gratin. Um, <laughs> which, again, is just like, did we have any other scene where uh, that came up? Uh, but I did also just think, like, somewhere in the world, uh, Jacques Pepin is smiling. Man loves his yeah. uh, gratin. <laughs> um, and I love that man. Oh, I think that's all I got for yeah. this one. Um, See, unfortunately, when I edit, yeah. when I edit these, uh, mm-hmm. I use a tool that truncates the silence. Uh, and I feel like that's one silence that needs to be kept in. Yeah, you'll have of to. Us just being like, yeah. <laughs> you have to add it back in. Or just exaggerate it. Just yeah. like add an extra five seconds. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Kominato Hatsu, which is the grandma, is voiced by uh, Kubota uh, Tamie. Uh, she doesn't have many voice actor credits. Uh, let me see if y'all can... Um, see a pattern by the end of this though um she is uh shiji masui in hanasaku era she is great grandmother mikage in silver spoon she's kokona's grandmother in flip flappers and she is uh grandmother machiko in kofuku graffiti so um <laughs> i think she's also literally like a 60 year old woman or you know thereabout. like she's of the age of like yeah of course like if she's voice acting she's just like voice acting characters that are literally just her right uh, so good for her um, love love someone who's typecasting because she's she's good at it i was honestly expecting her to have like even more like old lady credits uh, behind her but it seems like she doesn't have a ton of voice acting credits in general maybe she's more of like a screen actor or um something like that all right episode 12 is called that selection is dot 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 breaking the trends um Hitoe reveals that she has managed to regain her memories of her friends, having kept quietly about it as she wanted to win in order to free Yuzuki, even if it meant losing her body, resolving to achieve her wish to free all the girls who were sl- sorry, who were sealed into Larigs. Ruka wins her battle and moves on to the rooftop to face off against Iona, with Hitoe and Yuzuki joining her to spectate. As the battle begins, Tama hears a voice calling her and soon comes into contact with Mayu, who tries to return her or to turn her against Ryuko, saying she will only know the truth if she wins her battle. Uh, with the battle nearing its climax, Tama realizes that Ryuko's look 
um, realizes from Ruko's look that she intends to become a Larig for the sake of her friends and becomes defiant, uh, resulting in their ritual failing when Tama only tells Ruko half of the vow required to complete the ritual. As Ruko falls into distress about not having her wish granted, Iona and Ulith use the opportunity to undergo their own ritual, uh, which Iona has been waiting all along for the right moment to enact. Uh, following the blast from the ritual, Ulith takes over Iona's body, while Ruko is shocked to discover Tama has disappeared from her card, with Iona appearing in her place as a new Larig. And that's the end of the first season. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't be any more of these episodes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, I guess, uh, you know, to tie back to our conversation about like how like Hanayo in Yuzuki's body doesn't really act any different. It's still just Yuzuki. Iona, or not Iona, uh, Ulith in Iona's body is immediately like, ha ha ha, I'm a twisted little lady inside of this girl's body. Yeah, sneering. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, which, you know, I'll take that. <laughs> like, sure. Hopefully that like, you know, goes somewhere uh in the next season well we need a new sicko now that akira is not that's true <laughs> yeah although not in my description but as danny mentioned earlier like we do get like a kind of like quick glimpse of like you know come back for season two and selector uh yeah selector spread wixos um and we see akira so she'll be here she just doesn't have the scar anymore question mark like that's yeah. such a cop-out I mean, we'll see maybe she she yeah. will have it but mm. and I want to make a quick note um, that there was a commentary track on just this episode. It was very funny to listen to. Um, it had like the voice director for the English dub, uh, the voice director, the guy who played Kazuki, the person who played Yuzuki and the person who played Akira, which was funny because she, she was like, yeah, my character's not in this episode. But um, and it was very funny listening to them dunk on the show, uh, pointing out that they don't know how the the game works. Um making fun of Yuzuki and Kazuki anytime they're on screen together. It's like, oh, there's there's the twins. Nothing weird going on there. <laughs> no incest happening here, boss. Um, dunking on the fact that uh, Wick Cross is a stupid name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, very fun to listen to uh, them dunking on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I think I saw that it had the commentary track, but sometimes these releases like will just include the Japanese commentary, even if there's no subtitles for it. Um, like I said, I didn't realize it was an English one until you messaged us about it. Um, <laughs> I was like, I, I do this often where like sometimes when you're watching a show, like you don't really pay attention to like the OP animation all that much, but it's like the last episode. So like, okay, you know, like I'll, I'll like actually pay attention this time or whatever, um, or pay more attention this time. And it reminded me, um, hey, remember Chiori? Remember that girl that just showed up for a single episode? <laughs> didn't come back? Yeah. <laughs> Like, again, yeah. you know, season two, um, she'll be there. Uh, but it's just so funny. Why is she even here if she has, like, literally nothing to do? She's basically not even a character. I know nothing about her other than she's, like, clearly younger and more naive than the rest of them, or at least, like, seemingly naive. And she brought up the fact that there's a Wixos novelization, but that's not really about her character. Uh, it's just funny to, like, okay, I'm going to pay attention to the OP. Wait, who's that mysterious fifth character? Um, <laughs> Wait funny. a minute. This... Are you saying they just set up a character so that you could buy more cards? Are are the are the girls are they cards like you know Pokemon as trainer cards? Are there Ruko cards? No, but I think the the little rigs in the show are like I think like oh, okay. Tama is a card uh, and Ulith is a yeah. card stuff like that. Gotcha. 
as far as I know, all the actual like cards they've shown where you'll actually see a close up of like the card art, those are also real cards, not like they made stuff up. Um, so there is a chance you would watch this and go, man, I got to play that card game, but it, it wouldn't be me. Um, the uh, the <laughs> really funny thing for me, um, which it, uh, this this to me is just flat out bad writing, um, is uh, before they start their battle, um, like, you know, like. Ryuko comes to the top and like Yona does the the villainous like I'm looking off in the horizon and I turn around to face my enemy uh thing and she's literally like like what she says is I'd expect you you don't need a declaration of intent let's just get this battle on or whatever and it's like yeah but mm-hmm. the audience would maybe want a declaration of intent like yeah, wh- why, yeah. why are you like this <laughs> what is your goal um just bad writing to lampshade that of like no we we do want this <laughs> like what the fuck do you mean like i need to know the stakes i need to know like why like what's iona's wish like what does she want out of this um i think there's some mention in this episode or maybe it's the last one of like iona wanting to become a larig specifically and wanting to specifically like go to that mysterious white room and confront Mayu almost like she knows a bit more about the selector stuff than the other selectors do but we don't get like any more hints than her like gesturing at that it's not like a you know I don't know it's just very lame all right okay I just had a fucking Jimmy Neutron brain blast Mm -hmm. Mayu Uh is Kyube okay Iona is Homura okay Ruko is Madoka. Uh-huh. So Homura, or sorry, Homura, uh, Yona, the reason she wants to confront Mayu is she's been through this before. Uh, this is a cycle for her. She keeps uh, trying to save Ruko. <laughs> well, you had me in the last page. Maybe not the same goal, maybe yeah. not the same goal, but I think it, there might be mm. something to, oh, this is just the the newest body that uh, Yona has. Because yeah. she said several times, like, finally, someone... Like, mm. finally, I have someone who's matching mm. my energy. Like, finally. Mmm. I mean, she did seem pretty, like, determined to be Ruka's yeah. Lorraine. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Makes you think. Hmm. <laughs> they, they are just going full mask off Madoka at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which, funnily enough, this is like a mirror universe thing. Because I remember we, I, I was probably more heavy on it. Uh, but when we were talking about Madoka, I said, like, this is a show that could have been cut down by a, a significant amount. Uh, this is, like, the, this is my reversed wish, where instead mm. they made a show that was double the length yeah. of Madoka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty much on the train of, if you want to watch Madoka, watch the first two movies. I'll... Yeah, yeah. I'll never rewatch... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll never rewatch the TV series, but if I ever get the itch to go back, I'll definitely watch the compilation movies for sure um because they look so much better and the cuts they make really do make the show now the funny thing is this show uh oh i just remember something that i'll have to just bring up completely unrelated but this show does have a um film that is i think a compilation i don't know if it's um off the top of my head i don't know if it's a compilation of both seasons or just the second season um but it's called selector destructed wixos um i guess my anime list says it is a retelling slash summary of selector infected and selector spread with some extra scenes so i guess you know unless season two radically changes our opinion maybe if you're curious about what's going on in wixos you could probably just watch that 90 minute movie and, and get what's going on uh because <laughs> You know, just this one season feels like it should have been 
half the length um easily um but you know got to sell that card game anime i guess um it, yeah if next time when we when we record the next batch of episodes if you hear me say oh i don't remember that happening a lot it's because <laughs> i just watched the movie <laughs> well the good news is, is there's only a you know there's a very discreet number of things that even happened in these 12 episodes so not <laughs> yeah, a lot to remember true. all things considered mm. um I've had this in my notes throughout, but I wanted to wait till the last episode uh, to mention it. I think I brought this up last time. I cannot stand some of the sound effect work that they did for the show. It's so abrasive and off-putting, and it like it's like ten times louder than the actual music. And it's just like it's not it's not like specific sounds. It's just like something will happen, and you'll just hear a harsh noise. And it's like who who worked on this? <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> like making making weird like fucking uh, like you know harsh noises and just like yeah here you go here's your sound effects um but there are multiple parts where i like <laughs> had to reach to like the dial on my audio interface to, like turn down the volume on my computer is like what the f it's too loud stop it um <laughs> stop especially because like i like the music yeah as far as the sound goes i thought the music was good except for the one track in this episode that goes like full dubstep at a certain point um yeah it also did, wait, I zoned out for a sec. Did we talk about the opening having added oh, sound effects this episode? I forgot about that. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I, I, I always skip the opening, so I didn't know. I saved myself. <laughs> yeah, they just like added like sound effects to the opening this episode for no reason, and they're mixed really like to the point where I was like, wait, do I have something open in another window? <laughs> yeah. <those> <laughs> it, it was the same feeling as watching the Panda Piece uh -huh. meme subs with the opening yeah. shit posts. I yeah, I definitely <laughs> no. thought like Windows was making some sort of sound for something I'd never like heard before or or like I had like something playing in another tab I forgot to close out of or like you know like sometimes I'll like open like um uh like the page for like a, a VTuber stream before it goes live and then forget to close it if I'm not gonna actually watch it and then like it starts while I'm watching something else. It's like I thought that happened. It's like, oh, let me tab out and and see what's going on on my computer. But no, <laughs> it's just they decided this one's going to have sound effects. Um, like, I think that's like conceptually a cool thing to do. Although I don't like, it doesn't mean anything. And also mixed very, the yeah. mixing was just really, yeah. really bad. Extremely <laughs> funny thing. I forgot about that. Maybe they were trying to do what uh, Jojo's did like towards the end of part. Oh yeah. Three, I think where they had like Dio interrupt the, the OP. Yeah. Like, Oh, Let's 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 fuck with ROP. Let's add abrasive noises over top of it, just like JoJo's. Right. Wait, no, what? Or I guess this is probably after the show airs, but doesn't Part Four do the thing where like it reverses the OP? Um, oh God, yeah, JoJo's fucking good, uh, especially Part Four. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, the final confrontation is is fairly lame. It's more of the lame card fight stuff. Although I guess like we get like. There's one um, part where Tama and Ulith trade blows, and it's just like a straight up like martial arts action scene. It's like well animated, but it felt like it was out of a different show. <laughs> uh, I was like, this is not how these these card fights go. They normally just like you know like lock swords or whatever, um, but they're literally like you know doing like roundhouse kicks and and spins and stuff. Um, yeah, and we get um, the Deus Ex Machina uh, show up. The uh, Mayu, who up until this point. Has not fucking done anything in this world. Yeah. Like, it's all with relegated to the white room or whatever. Uh, but now she has a personal interest to, to fuck with Tama's head. Who, again, Tama is someone who, for most of the show, is speaking in very basic sentences mm -hmm. or literally, like, meowing. Yeah. And now 
they and she and Ruko have had like three exchanges of like, and all of them are just, I want to fight with you. I want to fight with you too. Oh, I'm scared to fight, but it's okay as long as we fight together. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And now we have to get really invested in Tama, like tricking Ruko because now that's like a, a thing. Um, even though, again, I don't care about their relationship. And the show wants to just kind of, like, tell me that Tama doesn't want Ruko to become Lurig Jesus or whatever. It's it's so <laughs> it's so boneheaded. It's like, no, you need to... This is not earned. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's, it's like, until this point, Tama's basically just, like, a Digimon. Like, or, like, a Pokemon. Like, yeah. She doesn't have any interiority. She exists to, like, be a tool slash friend, I guess, to uh, Ruko. And then suddenly it's, like... Oh, but can you really trust Ruko, Tama? It's like from, coming from a character that was also strictly just an exposition character for the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it's very funny that um, the method by which Tama betrays Ruko is basically she doesn't say one of the lines. Like the it's like I accept the laws of the selector mm-hmm. uh, and you know become an, an eternal girl, and they, she leaves off that last part. Because I thought it was going to be like, oh, both people need to like really genuinely want it. And it's it going to be like, oh, Tama realizes she really like deep down she didn't want it to happen. And that's why. But no, it's like she literally deliberately just like left it off. <laughs> and it's like, OK, apparently now saying all the words perfectly correctly matter. Whereas before you can just say open and, and you're in the duel. But now the vow really fucking important. Why? Because that's a rule that can't be broken unlike all the other rules that are kind of ne- like negotiable yeah yeah that's an actual rule um yeah speaking of rules incredibly stupid to me um uh that um the whole time iona's like like so like she's basically like oh i could have um like become an eternal girl episodes ago but now is the moment where I'm going to do it. And that's the moment where it just like it throws all pretense that there's like like meaningful conditions to when this can happen. It's just like no, she just she's just going to become an eternal girl because she's like now is the time that I will do it. Um, which I guess makes sense with like your theory of like you know she's been through this before, like she knows how it all works and stuff like that. But it, not a very satisfying like because that's like the end of the episode. Like like Tama and uh, Ruko fail to do the eternal girl thing, and then. Ulith and Yona accomplish it and then like there's a big blast and then Tama disappears and Ulith appears in uh or Yona as Ulith appears in um uh the card in place of Tama and then we see Yona like being jokerfied Ulith uh Yona and then see you in season two I just thought it was like an inc- like um I think I mentioned last time I probably almost watched the show when it was airing uh, and just did it for whatever reason. Um, I think if I had somehow made it <laughs> to the end of the season, I would not have come back around for season two, <laughs> like a really shitty cliffhanger. Mm, yeah. And then it ends, it ends on a weird note too, where it cuts to grandma and uh, Ruko's brother eating something. And her brother's like, Oh, I love grandma's white sauce. And I'm like, hell yeah, King. But um, she's like, Oh yeah. Oh, he's like, aren't you gonna eat, Grandma? Like, you know, what's what's her face is uh, Ruko's late, and she's like, oh no, I I I can't eat yet because what the fuck does she say? She says something as if it has like a lot of like importance of like, oh I like. She's like, no, I can't eat yet. I need to be with uh, Ruchan when I when I eat. Is the is the line I want to yeah. be with? Ruchan. And it's like, why does it end on that? 
Like that's that's the last shot of the se- yeah. of the of the season. Evil grandma. <laughs> I've been saying this. Um, yeah, very, 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 very strange. And I'm either like my expectation is either that like more things are going to actually happen in season two, like whether they're good or not, at least more is going to happen or it's just going to be like more of this uh, kind of pacing. And then just like suddenly it's all going to resolve at the end. Um, definitely hoping for the former. Or they're going to save it for the Well, the thing series. is, is like, as far as I understand, like the selector series is like a contained thing. And then the lo- the lost storage stuff, oh, okay. like some of these characters do show up in that, but it's, like completely different from what i understand like i looked into this a bit when i picked the show because i wasn't sure like oh do we just watch infected should we watch infected and spread is this the kind of thing that you really got to watch all four seasons of it that there are um and what i came to was you know these two seasons and the other two seasons are kind of their own thing that's why it's like the selector series and then the lost storage series um but i guess we'll see I, I could very well be wrong about that but that was that was the impression i got um, so I sure I sure hope it does have an ending. That would be deeply funny. We get to the end of season two. It's like, well, on my next pick, we'll, we'll watch the remainder of of uh, Wixos. God, I would I would if that were the case, I would pick it, but not immediately next. I'd pick it like five years from now if we're if we're still doing this thing. Then. Like, <laughs> like, hey, time to return to it after we've completely <laughs> forgotten about the first two series. Um, I think that's all I got. We really kind of talked like broad stuff throughout. Like, I don't think it's a good show at all, but I'm kind of fascinated in how bad it is. Um, just like a, they went wrong in so many places, and also it's just a shitty ripoff of Madoka on top of that. It's kind of hard to believe. I mean, like, the, the Madoka stuff is easy to believe, but I would at least thought it would have been, like, better put together than than that, or than it is. Yeah, it, it's, it's, its biggest flaw is that the... Uh, I almost said Marie Kondo again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Mario Kata um, uh, just does not have an understanding or an interest to understand this genre of things, which is bizarre because there's so many, like, you don't need to look at just Yu-Gi-Oh! or other card game shows. Any sports anime, fucking ping pong. Yeah. Do you know how many times you, you see them hit a ball in, in an episode of Ping Pong, especially towards the end? They, they hit the ball, like, three times, and everything else is just, like, their thoughts in between those hits. Like, it's not... It, you don't need it to be about the the people, or about the, the sport. It can be about the people. And in this, it's, like, it's neither. It's it's not about the cards, but then the, there's not anything there in terms of the people. And as a result, you just get this gray mush with occasional sprinkles of Madoka, but, like, mm-hmm. bad yeah. or worse, depending on your viewpoint of Madoka. Like I said earlier, like, like knowing this show is very clearly a reaction to Madoka makes it make sense. Um, because, like, it's not, like, an accident that it's like that, right? Like, the people that made the show clearly were like, we're going to do a Madoka thing, but I guess we'll do card games instead of Magical Girls. And, like, it makes more sense why people would have been, like, I don't, for various reasons, I don't think the show would get made now. And I also kind of have to imagine that the other Wixaw shows, which have very different staff um, from what I looked into, are different than this. Because this is, like, this is of a kind of show that came out after Monica, which is, like, people are hungry for more of this type of thing. Uh, so we're just going to do it in a bunch of different configurations. And this, is, this was the card game one, um, I guess. Um, so it like makes sense that like the show came out in 2014 and is like that. Uh, it's like only like a year or two after Monica, right? Like 
in very close proximity. And thankfully, we're out of that, like, Monica zone <laughs> of, like, people trying to rip it off. Uh, thank God. Yeah, I was just thinking about what zone we are in now. Izakai zone? Yeah, if uh, any time I go on any chart each season is an indication. Yeah, it's just all fucking... Uh, I guess it's not all Izakai, but it's a, that, that really is, like, the moment we're in right now. Um, that that's like a... You say moment as if this didn't start with web novels. No, but ago. like where we're at at anime, right? <laughs> like it, it took a while to get yeah. its way over. And also it's just like, it was a big... I feel like the Isekai thing's been going for like... But it's only like, <laughs> it's bigger now than it was like 10 years ago with like SAO and stuff like that. Um, like it's bigger than ever. Like before you'd get like a couple of these kind of shows a season. Now it's like half the shows. Um, and they're just like, they're pumping them out like crazy. Um, now we're at the point where the, the Izakai is almost like not, like the, the method of Izakai is almost like a meme. It's like, oh, here comes Truck-kun. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, And it's very much like what, you know, the comparison to Madoka, you know, uh, eight years ago of like people just doing that in as many configurations as possible. Like what? There's like, I, I'm not bagging on the show or any show in particular but like there's a show this season that's like uh i'm a a, a pharmacist in a new world kind of show right it's just like not running out of ideas but literally just like any idea like whatever sticks we're we're gonna go for it um well because it, it's it's stuff that you don't it doesn't need to be an izakai you could just have like oh i'm, I'm a fantasy yeah. world pharmacist and like these are my it's like a slice of life thing um you know whereas something like uh reborn into another world as a slime it's like okay sure that that has a little more meat to it uh but like other stuff it's like yeah you, you could just you know you could just have like that be a, a slice of life thing yeah i guess i just mean that like the um appeal of the genre is so large now that people will like not only will these show these kinds of shows get made that you're as you're saying like could just be other genres but people want those kinds of shows to be made within that genre um you know, I don't, I, I don't particularly care for those kind of shows, and it's like it sucks that they're oversaturated. But like, you know, people like them for reasons, and you know, I'm not gonna shit on any particular show. But that's de that's definitely to me like the big moment we're in right now. Um, can't think of anything else that you could kind of compare it to, like the post Modica moment. Um, I don't even think the post Modica is no to the same degree definitely as not. Isekai, because like I feel like Modica is more singular than whatever. Than like the That's whole true. isekai thing. That's very true. Definitely like a difference of scale. Because hey, hey, I was looking up like lists of Madoka ripoffs at it. I was getting lists in like around five seven ish versus five seven per season for the yeah. last five years. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I mean like you know Madoka's not like a, a straight genre, right? So it's definitely like a, a sizable difference there. But um, when are we gonna get a a I got isekai'd into a Madoka world? Oh I man, get, I get isekai'd <laughs> as as a magical girl, but the magical girls are fucked up in this world. <laughs> yeah, th in this world, in this magical girl show, there's slavery, which is apparently the <laughs> the, the up and coming trend in isekai shows uh, this season. Wait, I was gonna say, oh yeah, isekai magical girl, we have rare. Yeah, 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 right yeah. <laughs> and there's Max. God, good good show. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's it for selector infected wixos but we do have one more voice actor um i'm also now thinking i will hopefully have little to no voice actors for uh spread i don't know if there's any <laughs> new characters i mean there's probably a few uh but mayu is voiced by tanada risa she is uh kori in your lie in april she is mirai in beyond the boundary she is erina in shokugeki no soma uh rory in gate uh 
Zenovia Corta in High School DD or DXD, um, Yukina in Strike the Blood, uh, Rise in Is the Order a Rabbit, Aya in uh, Kiniro uh, Mosaic, uh, Kuan in uh, Utaware uh, Rumono, and uh, Yukari in Yushiki. That's for you, Danielle. And she is um, uh, Mizuno Ai in um, Zombieland Saga. So she's like main character in a bunch of things. All right. Um, well, that's it for our uh, legally mandated anime <laughs> this week. Uh, hopefully we were all enjoying uh, other things at our spare time. Uh, Danielle, do you want to go first this week? Well, I finished up all of Symphogear and yeah, I had a really fucking good time all throughout. Uh, just solid um, tokusatsu slash idol show. Not a mecha show. <laughs> Um, put put that flag in the ground no. right now. <laughs> I know you don't think that, but man, <laughs> bad take. <laughs> no, I never said it was a mecha show. I just said the ending mm-hmm. was Evangelion. Mm-hmm. You know, similar themes and all. I'm a sucker for those. But yeah, I had a great time. Um, none of the seasons really stand out as being like, oh, just got to push through. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for a longer show, would highly recommend it. Um, started watching the second series of princess connect and i'm still surprised they made a um gotcha game adaptation look this good and be this entertaining i'm guessing it's because they decided um let's just have all the plot in the background and turn the main character into can barely form full sentences instead of having him the main character like a lot of other um gotcha game adaptations um yeah like incredible production on that it's like such a good looking show and lastly um started reading this um partially completed visual novel coquette dragoon which is like a yuri mecha vn i am loving every minute of it it's fucking laser targeted at me with one of the main characters being a bunny girl as well good time go go read it yeah, it seems cool it has joined the 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 <laughs> the spot in my uh, uh itch.io wish list of things that <laughs> i will forget or i will remember occasionally and go yeah i should play that i yeah no i'm Love it. It's Yuri Mecha Vied and all the girls are kinda fucked up and kinda perverts. I'm mm-hmm. I'm here for it. <laughs> um yeah, that's all right. Uh Danny, what have you been up to? Um, I don't know that I've been watching anything. Um I've been reading some of the ones that I, some some manga that I've been reading for a while now. Um not really much to report there in terms of anything interesting. Um but yeah, mostly been spending my time like playing games. Um like I played Stray, uh, very five out of ten game. Uh, I thought about stopping to play, stop stopping playing it, uh, but I knew that I only had like thirty more minutes left in it, so I was like, all right, fine, I'll finish it. Um, it it's yeah, it's it's a cute cat and everything, but everything else just kind of loses its appeal pretty quickly. Um, uh, it's very much like go to the place, find the interactable, go to the next place, find the interactable kind of thing um it's all like contextual button prompts there's no like free platforming or anything like that so yeah uh kind of let down but you know whatever um and i also finished a game called route 96 or road 96 um game that i generally liked um and i liked the format of it it's instead of like you being one character like you play a bunch of different like runaway teens as they try to make their way to the border to escape like a uh, dictatorship essentially and you so you meet the same characters over and over again but with like different like you're a different character each time so you kind of learn a different aspect of them the whole every time which worked fine for me until it got to the end 
when I kind of wished that like I was a, a character who had been there the entire time. Uh, like maybe just take this like the same campaign but make it longer with one character and like you just happen to run into the same people over and over again that would have worked just as well and you would have had like a higher emotional stake I guess because I, I was like you know oh I like I feel like my character like if, if you take me as a character who's like kind of meta of the whole thing like I know this about this character and like I, I, I feel like it would have been better if I had been like, okay, I knew this about this character. I could bring this up to change the situation towards the very end, especially because the, the, the very end is like not just a small personal drama anymore. So it's it's good. I liked it. I had a good time. Um, I did not feel the need to to go back through it and kind of re-explore the endings and how everything could have shake, shaked out differently. But um, overall, uh, not not a bad game. Uh, not, not too terribly long either. Um, shout out to, to medium length games. Um, but other than that, just been just been vibing. Vibes only. Uh, speaking vibes, head empty. Vibes only. Speaking of vibes, uh, I finished uh, Pokemon Orange Islands Adventures in Orange Islands, if you will. Um, so that's two two of uh, twenty two Pokemon series down. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's good. Um, Orange Islands is fun because it's like kind of in between the Johto stuff and the um, Kanto stuff. Um, I like the the setting. I like Tracy, although I'm happy to uh, be... Uh, I'll probably take a break from Pokemon for a while, but I'm happy to be ready to start Johto with um, Brock coming back. And um, I have fond memories of watching Johto, but have not watched it in like since it was on TV. Um, but I finished that. That was cool. Um, uh, I'm still watching Delicious Party Precure week to week. I'm only going to bring it up this time just because um, they introduced a new Precure, Cure Finale. She fucking rules. I love her design. I love her finale move. Um, she's just sick. The, this current uh, season of Precure is extremely cool. Um, I like it a lot. Can't recommend it enough if you're in the uh, mood for one of those. Um, uh, although I guess you, you would know already if you are. <laughs> um, I watch more. Uh, I got behind on SD Gundam Force and Digimon Tamers, which I'm like watching alongside uh, Great Gundam Project. Um, so I binged a bunch of that this past week, uh, week and a half. And um, Gundam Force is just like a solid fucking kid show. Um, it's very watchable. It's very funny. The dub is good. Uh, the you know, Japanese uh, dub's never been subtitled, um, so I'm just watching the English dub, and it's it's really good. And the Digimon Tamers just rules. It's it's like the best Digimon show. Um, granted, I haven't rewatched Adventure in a while, but a lot of the things that make it distinct from Adventure and Zero Two uh, make it really fucking interesting. And also, just like all the Digimon in it are very good. Gilamon is my my baby. I love him, and Terrymon's a little shit, but he's also very cute, so he gets away with it. Uh, and then Kulumon just wants to play and have fun. Uh, love that man. I love that <laughs> love that mon. Um, but yeah, Dig Digimon Taver is sick. Um, so I would recommend that if you are someone that hasn't seen it, or if like you're like me and you're like haven't seen it since you were a kid, it's worth going back to. Um, and then the only new thing I've started is um, Love Live Superstar season two started last week. Uh, speaking of things that rule, it really um, like they just finished the second season of Love Live Nijigasaki, which is like another Love Live season or series. And I was a little bit um, disappointed, I guess, by how the production on that show was a little bit subpar for what you would expect for a Love Live series. Well, Superstar Season 2 is here to uh, slap me across the face because the production is gorgeous, and I totally forgot how 
amazing the first season of that was even for a love live show um and it's just good to to see the the five main girls from season one again and there's four new girls which um i wasn't like super apprehensive about um like some people were but i was a little bit like yeah i like the the dynamic of the first five girls a lot um but these these new girls are great um so uh we all win i guess that's good news because i am watching that episode later today and episode two will be out uh tomorrow from when we're recording um but it's it's sick it's the the best currently airing thing i am watching which is not many things but it's very good and that's about it i thought i would watch more votums uh between last episode and now but i was busy reading stephen king instead um which i don't regret (laughs) um but this is unfortunately not a stephen king podcast so i'll shut my mouth um all right, I think that will do it for us. Um, I will, uh, just for posterity's sake, uh, check our email. I don't think we got any questions, even though I was trying to hype it up a lot. But while I do that, I will say, if you would like <laughs> to send us questions, you can email us at underthekatatsu.anime at gmail.com or just DM us on Twitter. That works too. Um, we do not have any questions this time, but if you would like to get in questions about Wixos or card games uh, or anime in general um feel free to send those in and then next time we will be starting the first half of selector spread wixos episodes one through six um so look forward to that uh danielle why don't you take us out of here wait what about our our handles oh yeah uh fuck you you can't find me on the internet Uh, yeah uh you can find me at uh chai underscore squared where can people find you danny can find me at cover me and sauce on twitter and you danielle I am Lesbunny with one N on Twitter. And you can also find the podcast at Under the Kotatsu uh, on Twitter. Um, now, Danielle, you may take us right. out. Of here. B crimes, do you gay? And seriously, how did nobody take like the good parts of Madoka to make one of the ripoffs? Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't even make it gay. What are they doing? <laughs> Oh,